Did we talk about anything creative on this episode? Did people are people going to hear this and think I'm funny, or are they going to be like, "Why would I listen to that guy's show?" I haven't hit record yet. By the way, we haven't exactly talked about the the fee agreement for today. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do this one for free. Okay, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people by creative people. And speaking of creative people, let's set the mood. <laughs> All right, folks, let's get this one started with a Talk in the Attics theme song. And this theme song, I want to tell you, is played by Hilton. That's Hilton, all caps, on Instagram. Go check out Hilton on Instagram and get ready to listen to Kirk Ross from A Talk in the Attic. It's a mess in this attic. Lot going on, but there ain't no need to panic. Come on up and join. We're getting wild, getting manic. Spitting truth for all you fanatics. Uh. Every week got something new to say Ain't no filter, this shit coming straight from the brain It's coming straight from the brain Yeah, it's coming straight, coming straight from the brain Get out of here, you filthy animal You shouldn't talk to your wife like that I'm gonna edit this and make you look so bad Dad's diss track disguised as a <laughs> happy birthday. So, uh, first of all, your dad was in pretty good shape, no? My dad, so I grew up in a family that was athletic. My dad wrestled in college, uh, like actual wrestling, not like uh, Rick Steiner, yeah, <laughs> Hulk yeah, Hogan shit. Yeah, he looked like he had muscles that came from being used regularly. He, and he was probably 40. He was 40 in that picture, probably, that you saw. Too. 40, he was just standing there with his six-pack popping yeah, out. Yeah, dude, he, so, he, he, so he got out of wrestling, and then he coached the youth wrestling and then into high school like for decades and so he was like 50 and still wrestling with high school kids and, and he's like you're doing it wrong let me show yeah, he's you he's a bad ass like, i hated wrestling my dad dude because he has like in college they teach you different kind of shit when you wrestle like how to like hands hurt are, people like, cement blocks dude, probably right cauliflower ear like you've never seen oh really just like like permanently domed ears and is he like proud of it or is he like eh. he doesn't yeah he's I don't think he's he's neither proud nor embarrassed by it. It's just is it is what it is. Because man, I'll tell you what, when you see some people will be like, dude, look at that guy's ear, but I'll be like, go say something to him. Yeah, I mean I <laughs> he, he would probably just say, Oh yeah. <laughs> Talk about it. He wrestled at Michigan Tech. I don't even think they have a program anymore. And then Oh, that's Michigan Tech is the one that's right up at the tippy tippy top of yeah, the UP yeah. in Lake Superior where there's like two weeks of summertime, right? Yes. They get a they I think they get more snow than any at their sea level or at their level of because it's a little bit elevated but it's pretty low still they get more snow there than any other place in the u.s i think yeah it's cold it's north and you've got the biggest freshwater lake in the world that's yes right there so. and it's a cold yeah. lake too so i mean i yeah, think lake superior uh, somebody told me like there's like most of it you can't even swim in ever because it's just too cold yeah i mean it's scary turtle situation if you know what i'm saying yeah uh, speaking of my dad being tough <laughs> my dad the one time that i've seen my dad look highly fallible is any time that I've gotten in like an ocean or large body of water with him, he's really paranoid about getting his like dick and his nipples wet, <laughs> which I have that a little bit. You know, it's hard. It's hard to like do it because it's cold. Yeah. But he'll like wade around like a fucking psycho, like at the at the two foot water line for a long time to the point where I'll be out there swimming and I'll come back in before he ever makes it out. He's like, all right, let's go in. Yeah. So he's not, no, he's, he's not as tough as he looks. Yeah. Well, he's not alone. I think everybody's come out of the water before. Looked down, been like, "Uh oh!" Did a quick CPR check, and <laughs> exactly. 
Well, I, I once played a football <laughs> game. It, I was, it was my senior year, so this would have been in 2002. Okay, and this is in Bay City, right? In, as, technically Essexville, Michigan, which is a suburb of Bay City. And I would call Bay City a suburb of Saginaw, and one could even call Saginaw a suburb of Detroit. Okay. <laughs> okay. So there's not, a, it's really quite referential, but Essexville is a tiny town. It's 1.0 square miles to the T. It's one by one. And there's a large township that's associated with it that also uses the same high school. So the, the school wasn't tiny, tiny, but I think I graduated with 175 kids or something. Well, is your town like, I grew up in a town that had a decent sized high school, you know, like 400, 500 kids a graduating class. Yeah. But I found out after I graduated, we're not even an actual town. We're just a uh, like postal code and a school district within this bigger township. So is that kind of uh, like what your school was? We are definitely a township of a village that's like incorporated. There's a town, there's a, I guess I don't know the exact government. I mean, we're going to talk about gov- governmental uh, setup on the show on this episode. I mean, that's what most of this podcast is about. Okay. Well, let's talk about the charter township, uh, Essexville and what they do. They have a small family restaurant. They have a pretzel company. Uh, and then I, other than that, nobody really works in the other. I think the school is probably the biggest employer in the city. Yeah. That you makes know, sense. which probably is maybe the tr- case in Okemos too. Mm, no. Well, I mean, you've eaten in Okemos before. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of restaurants, a lot of gas stations, a lot of car dealerships, a lot of for, stuff. For those of you that might hear occasional scratching, we do not have rodents, but we do. The way that I insulated this thing is right out to the deck boards on the roof. So mm-hmm. when there's squirrels and shit on the roof, it sounds like they're right inside your brain. <laughs> it can be rough. I didn't even notice it until you said it. Now I'm not going to be able to not hear it. Dude, it's it's rough. It gives you like that like spidey kind of like. Feel that? Hear that? I like it though. Let's you know you're not alone. Nature abounds. Oh, it's rough. Okay, let's get back on track. Essexville. I the the point it was though. I went. I was playing football and I. Yeah. It was so cold on our last game of the season that I res- I had a scared turtle. Which for those of you that don't know, it's just where your penis head <laughs> recedes into itself. Um, to the point that you almost, almost worry missed- that you're gonna have no I, more penis. Dude, I swear to God, there's a period of time where I'm like. Is it possible that my penis head fell off on the field? <laughs> like it got stepped on or something? Because I was I was spraying it down with like warm to hot water for a while <laughs> before it like reared its face again. So all is well. It's all intact down there. But man, I don't I, I don't know if People I've ever used to gotten call a, it on Loveline and ask that question all the time. Is it possible for your dick to go all the way inside your body? And Doctor Drew's always like, No, no, it might get to a scary point, but it's not gonna no. <laughs> not gonna completely invert he's like he's like that is impossible the way that your anatomy works for it to go all the way in i mean if it could work that way then you could work you could kind of walk on the wild side yeah well it gets worse the the more extra weight you carry too though i did notice yeah 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 i carry more now than i have before i'd like to be like 190 but i'm like 200 i can't shake that 200 to 205 i think you look good i try um but you know i let my hair grow out kind of wild. I let my beard grow big, so it kind of makes the rest of my body look proportionally not quite so big. Yeah, exactly. Start wearing huge hats. <laughs> yep. Yep. Lots of make my hat go out bigger this way, this way, this way. Glasses, everything, anything I can do to distract from the gut. We call them caricature, Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of vertical lines. <laughs> I, I used to, uh, yeah, I don't know. I used to have more of a van, a vanity approach to exercise. Mm-hmm. Or like I just wanted to look good. Yeah, you're like this. These are my show muscles. Yeah, yeah. and I, I mean, let's face it, I never really quite had those anyway. But <laughs> I like at the same time now, I, I don't really care at all about how I look so much. But I definitely like just want to be healthier. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I want that's... my dick to be 
That's better, healthier. You like to present present well. <laughs> right, right. So I think uh, that's kind of a little adjustment I'm trying to make too. And, and creativity is great for me. I, I love it. I went through a long stretch, and we'll talk about this, where I wasn't exercising my creative muscles whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I, I was working out a lot at the time, though, too. So like I feel like I've traded that those times, you know, like the time I used to put into that for vain reasons are now being put into creative stuff and I'm overall much happier. Yeah. But again, it's a balancing how I got to fight, figure out a way to make it all. Yeah. Well, good. it's a, uh, that book by Paulo Coelho, the, uh, the alchemist. You yeah. I love that book. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert, but he wrote it like 20 years ago. So come on. Yeah. He, he, the, there's some like, I can't remember what it was, not a limerick, but just like old, old wisdom, wisdomy thing. Anyway, where it's, you know, you can't walk with a egg on a spoon and just stare at the egg on the spoon all the time trying not to drop it, but you also can't just walk around never looking at it. It's about, you know, yeah. making sure you've still got the egg and then stopping and looking around. Right. Yeah, that's, the, I mean, the egg is a creative thing for me in terms of like what I find, what I now hold most sacred to like myself. Yeah. And a big part of that is like my mental health What. I've always presented as a very happy kind of outgoing person, which people a lot of times say, you know, the happiest person in the group might be the person who's the saddest. Yeah. And I, I don't, I would never call myself sad, but like there circumstantially when I was working in a job where I, like I was making very good money, I was working with a bunch of empty people that I didn't like, you know, like I, I like them on the surface and I would do what I could to get along with them, but I wasn't seeing eye to eye with these people They, you know, and like, well, yeah, there's a difference between like not hating somebody and really enjoying somebody. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, I would find myself in these conversations with creative people as an outlet to get away from my job. And I would be like, man, that was making me happy. Yeah. And I eventually got the courage to kind of force my way to get fired in, at a job. Um, <laughs> I was still working hard. I wasn't doing anything dishonest or anything, but like I was not holding back in terms of my displeasure for what was going on at that company. Yeah. And I knew that was going to probably create. So maybe a more realistic office space kind of a, just putting out the vibe that like, I just don't care. But it was, it was, I was putting my, a ton of energy and a ton of effort into my actual responsibilities. So unlike Peter, like I wasn't just skipping and stuff, but like I was doing everything I could to avoid bullshit interactions at the office. And I was really dealing with my customers. It was a customer facing job. Yeah. And standing around with the coffee cup going, "Ah." (laughs) it's stuff that you didn't care about. You're just like, I don't have time. Hey, you've been missing a lot of work. You've been missing a lot of work. Well, I wouldn't exactly say I've been missing it, Bob. But uh, so when I when I was terminated from there, it was it was shortly after I got with my wife, mm-hmm. and we are we had already been married, and she's an attorney, so I kind of had some flexibility financially, and I immediately started working on the podcast after we got the house kind of ready and started get the getting the attic ready, and when that happened, I just my mental health like went through the roof, how, like happiness wise. Yeah, even though I was on the you know on the edge financially. No, not basically none of the stability I had before, um, where I was getting a recurring, reliable paycheck and then some bonuses and shit here and there. So it went from being like financially fine and miserable to being on the edge and really happy, yeah, and and, and feeling just like a more complete person and learning about a lot about myself too. All right, so, so getting up to the point where you're talking about now, let's go back to playing high school and football. Was athletics a the I mean, it was obviously a big part of your life because we'll get it was. To, you played in college too. Yeah. But was that like your main thing, or were you also like you know a photography nerd or painted and drawed stuff like that? I always uh, I, so because of my parents, 
this is no shade to them or whatever, but my dad was a collegiate athlete. My brother was a collegiate wrestler. My sister played college and softball. So it was just like in, and I was six years younger than my. It wasn't nearest. spoken, but it was just kind of like known, like we do sports here. It's what you do. And it, I never felt pressure to do it. I, yeah. If anything, I just wanted to do what my older siblings did and make them proud or whatever, you know? So yeah. I know, it was not yeah, a situation your, where your like, you're going to get and out parents... there and you're going to fucking yeah, yeah. win the game. Kirky got, it wasn't like that. He wasn't grabbing you by your face mask. Everyone's like, God damn, look at his dad. He's going nuts. <laughs> no, yeah. It's Pop Warner. It, it, he was a very encouraging, <laughs> like positive guy the way he did it. And so I, I never felt pressured into it, but there's no doubt that there were times where I wish I would have, I, I was dramatic. Like I like drama. Yeah. I used to make movies when I was a little kid. I'd organize like yeah, big yeah, groups yeah. of things. I, I uh, my senior year, the drama teacher who probably now looking back was like probably a, on drugs maybe, <laughs> you know, but like, and probably just wanted a way to fuck off after for an hour and a half every day. But yeah. he, he handed the class to me for my final semester and I ran the class and we made a movie the whole semester. That's awesome. And so like, I would come in with scripts for everyone. Every, we, we would meet every other day and we would like shoot it and it was awesome. So that was like by far my coolest project I ever did. But meanwhile, I was successful in sports. I had a very good class of other athletes. We were all uh, good students for the most part, like worked hard at school, never had discipline issues really. And so there wasn't really, I don't know. I just wish I would have had the courage to say, you know what? I want to, after practice, I want to go to the, and be in the play yeah, or something. Cause I did have that drive. Yeah. But I kind of also had the machismo. Like, Oh, I'm not going to do that. It's for pussies. <laughs> it, there's some element of that, you know, Yeah, yeah. which I wish I wouldn't have had that, but you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, I played music in high school, but there was a big part of me that always like wanted to go and try out for a play, but I was just too like, I, this is my thing. I'm comfortable with this. I'm just going to let these. And I did do set one time, you know, like the, the set team yeah. and that was fun or whatever. But I think, I think I got in trouble cause I was like making out with somebody else on set team and they're like, you guys can't be doing it. You just hey, get out of here. Chris, that's a mannequin. He's <laughs> back there with the sets again, with the props again. <sighs> I mean, I think when you're, when you're at that age, like that pubescent adolescent age though you really are concerned about how everyone looks at you and all that too. yeah so i was good at yeah, sports if you, so i didn't want to really if you get up on stage and your voice cracks then everyone's like hey good job yesterday <laughs> exactly dude oh but my voice cracked for so many years i also had a bull this is an important part of my history i had a bull cut like with an undercut oh that's awesome so it parted down the middle pretty long and like I would have him shave it as far underneath as he could. So, like, if I was upside down, it would almost look like I was shaved except for the very top. Mm-hmm. But to the average bear, it would look just like a, look like the classic bowl cut. And I had that for fucking years. <laughs> like, nine or ten years. Would, well, you, hey, would you ponytail it ever? No, no, no. It was never the – I mean, it, maybe these days I could get away with that. But at the time, this was just – I was wearing bowling shirts a lot. And I had bra- – it's just hilarious. It's yeah. a, a, a picture of what the 90s probably looked like to, you know, to the historians. <laughs> Uh, You're like the punk rock version of NSYNC? <laughs> not punky at all, though. I, I want to be clear. This was like preppy. <laughs> not. Nah, it was not preppy. It was preppy. It was preppy. I don't know. But yeah, sports were a huge. They informed me and most of my good friend, like best friend relationships, at least like my historical long-term friends. Well, all, I remember all, you you're interviewing your coach. Um, yeah. You and other guys talked about, you know, a lot of the um, things you hear from people that played uh, high school football is like it teaches you a lot of life lessons it teaches you about like being part of a group and functioning that way i got that more from being in bands than i did from sports but like yeah i i totally connected with what you're saying yeah in in that regard and it made me wonder because you never actually said i don't think what position you played so i played so i played at the varsity level i played uh outside or sorry middle linebacker and like offensive tackle actually 
Okay, but before so you be, were the guy that liked to really hit people. I, I did, but yeah, I wasn't like I, I, I never was like a. <laughs> first off, let me go back. Dave Schwartz, who you're talking about that interview, mm-hmm. he is one of a, new, a number of just fucking awesome coaches that we had access to. Like we we just lucked out in that regard. It's a good school district. Yeah, it didn't have the coach, macho. There's toxic guys. coaches in every sport, but a toxic coach in football can be a real headphone. And it's everywhere. I mean, like we would play against teams like that, where it's just, coach would be like calling you're a pussy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, like like you said earlier, grabbing the face mask. We we were. It was very much like a leadership, more of a leader of young men kind of situation. So I'm really grateful for that. My dad was super involved. My mom helped support. So to give a little more credit to my dad, when I was eight years old, I he illegally signed me up for a peewee football league in a different <laughs> town because we didn't have one. And he had to be nine to play. But I was always a big kid. Yeah. But I was still eight playing against 12-year-olds. I remember getting some fucking <sighs> hammered at times. Yeah. <laughs> getting hammered at times and being like, Ugh. I didn't know kids could hit this Exactly. Hard. And then the next, the next year I went back to sign up and I – I wasn't prepped at all for the for the big lie that had happened the year before. So I just went up there to sign up and gave my birth certificate. And they're like, all right, 1984. It looks like, so you must be a rookie this year? And I was like, no, I played last year. And so they found out that I cheated the year before, and they banned me from the league for a year. And so we, this was kind of a drive for my little town anyway. So my dad took it upon himself. I, I took that year off because it was too late. But then the next year, he he started with his own mon- his own funding started the youth football league in like our town, which had uh, like six teams at the beginning. And then as we got older, it maybe got down to five or something. But like around that same time that my class and all the districts, all the area schools got to high school, all of our programs kicked ass. And that was because before that, we didn't have a feeder program. You know, we were just like getting to ninth grade and learn how to play football. And so you can tell when you play against teams in any sport when like, oh, these guys have been together since first grade. You're like, yeah, you can tell. Yeah, they know. You actually know, like, dude, my high school before before that program started was like teaching freshman year. Like the first day of practice was like teaching about how to put your pads in and, (laughs) you know, just like meanwhile, there's teams running, you know, real plays already on the first day. These guys know the option. (laughs) Exactly. So so I I just want to give a lot of credit to them and that that positivity kind of like is a big reason why we all stuck it out too. Yeah. You know, there wasn't really a reason to go to the drama thing, although I wish I would have, like at least on top of what I was doing, but there wasn't some big exodus from the football program. That must have been pretty cool though, just to see like your dad goes, hey, you know what? I want to make a thing. Here's the thing. Like to I, see I, that as a kid must be pretty cool. Like, oh, you can just do stuff in life like that. That's exactly right. And I think but my parents both just really stressed like working hard in school and in doing, you know, respecting what you can. But like more than anything, they they got shit done. Yeah, and I th- I think like my ability to execute things, and I don't think that I'm skilled necessarily, extra skilled in execution, but I think it's just the decision to go for it. Yeah, like the podcast was kind of like that. Like I didn't really have any experience. I bought some equipment. And I went. Yeah. Um. Well, we've talked about I think on the other episode that I was on on your show that failure is super important, and if you if you if you duck out anytime there's failure around, you're really not going to be good at anything. Never, 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 never. Will you talk, Chris? I will. Okay. Um, No, we just both had strokes. (laughs) This is skipping. We're actually recording this on an CDRW. But yeah, so I played played quarterback until my junior year of high school when we already had a quarterback situation at the varsity level. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, I converted to offensive tackle, which is not a very common... Uh, yeah. move you know but <laughs> i played yeah, you both know. ways it was i was tired as fuck we were i remember being so <laughs> sore like 
on the Saturdays after my dad's, my dad was still running the league for years after I was done just for the community. And, uh, so my friends and I ended up being the announcers for, in the press box for like two games every Saturday morning for these little youth games. And we had a blast. We'd be sore as hell. We'd be like, we'd get paid a hundred bucks a piece or something. And which was huge money back then. Oh yeah. yeah. It's not bad now. They bring pizza. I know I'd do it today. Honestly, it'd be fun. They'd bring yeah. pizzas up there for us and stuff. But like we would, we'd get squirrely by the end of the like, second game. We'd be like announcing like fake players and shit. Like what's that? We call it, you know, Usher, the musician. Yeah, yeah. We called this little kid who made a tackle Usher Raymond. Cause that's his full name. And the, the head coach of that team threw his clipboard, t- turned around and said, who the hell is Usher Raymond? <laughs> I remember my looked down and my dad was like, gave me one of these, like cut it out. Mm-mm, but uh mm-mm. so you know th- th- that's yeah, pretty formative that's super subtle dead head shake exactly don't do that <laughs> looks like he's just shaking furiously at everybody else but he's looking at you like god help me yeah exactly but I-, I was definitely a situation where i was a badass at my little school yeah and then i went to saginaw valley to play um played outside linebacker there because i wasn't really built correctly for a- or-, or fast enough to play middle yeah. At our particular setup or our, our scheme. So I was more like a DN kind of outside linebacker, and I just wasn't strong enough for that either. Mm. So, like, I was a tweener there. I played for the, a full year, played for part of the second year, like in the off-season conditioning part of it. And then when the actual season came around, I quit. So I basically went through all the off-season shit. When and- your coach was like, I'm not saying you should do steroids. <laughs> but, you know, you know, might give you a leg up up there. <laughs> No, I mean, that's the thing. I probably could have really committed myself and worked hard and, like, maybe gotten some playing time at the end yeah. as a reward almost. more. But it was a really good program at the time. College football's hard, though, man. It's hard. It's a lot. And I was it's going to engineering. It's a job, basically. I was going to engineering school, too. And, like, it's, it's impossible to – it's it's truly impossible to, like – Invest in a lecture when your body hurts and you're tired and or, – Or for me, it was more like – maybe this is just because of my priorities. Like, I knew I wasn't going to be an NFL player, but I – was going to be a professional engineer right and so for me it just was like what am i doing i'm not like it's hard to be a football player when you're supposed to be at class or whatever yeah. you know and they would let you get out of it but if you're not at practice you're not going to play so yeah so i ended up quitting a big thing with that is the people i was around i had a, there were a lot of cool players there a lot of good guys but just generally on the whole it was not the type of person i wanted to hang out with yeah because it was more of that toxic well, like fuck we, yeah let's go we <laughs> talked about it yeah that i would see the football players at ferris state when i was there for a brief amount of time <laughs> yeah they would like walk around like at bars they were always getting in fights with people or like you would see them like ripping people's uh windshield wipers off their cars like, <laughs> hey that's the guy that cut us off car rip his fucking windshield wipers like, God. dude i know so that was just kind of like uh, okay <laughs> and not that the engineering crew was like, i did know a lot of super... really cool football players too by the way yeah most of the football players i'm talking about were like the the white football players that drank every day i'm also the talking, black guys were chill I, I would also say on an individual basis most of the most Every single person in the world, I would say, on an individual basis, is pretty cool. You can you can jive with them, yeah. But when you get a big group of people like that together, it becomes very competitive, and like that set, setting is just very toxic, you know. So, yeah. And it and it was a good program that was being run well, so we weren't out of control or anything. But it just wasn't. I don't know. I would look around on a Friday night, everyone's fucked up, or Saturday night, I should say, everyone's fucked up, and you're like, okay, that guy's trying to rip a phone book over there <laughs> to impress this lady. That dude has a black eye for some reason, you know. So it's like. You know, I, I didn't really necessarily want to be around it, and and it's a hard enough thing that once you're not into it, once you're not committed to it, you, it's impossible to pretend. Have you ever told a chick to sit on your back and watch you do a push up? I mean, only, <laughs> it would have to be a child because I'm not. I was never that strong, so uh, I probably have done a sit up or a push up with <laughs> sit up with someone sitting on my face. 
Gotta work these ab muscles. That you know what? That's that's <laughs> exercise I could get behind. Yeah, exactly. Especially yeah. if you're on top. Yeah. Or get or not get behind, but support. Well, Sit on. Yeah. I don't know if you want to get behind. Well, maybe you do. Depends how strong you are. It depends. Yeah. But I think it's a personal choice. The, the, the one thing that sports taught me more than anything is like how to be uncomfortable. You know, like I, I've run across yeah, occasional yeah. people that like when it gets hard, people, some people just don't know that like it's okay that it's hard. Just fight through it. It's fine. And I remember just from the little bit of football that I've played, coaches being like, hey, if you don't know what to do out there, don't just stand there. Go find somebody to hit. And if you're going to mess up, go 100%. Yeah, mess up quick. Yeah. Yeah. Make, yeah. So, so that's definitely carried over into my everything that I've ever done including love life i've been divorced twice right like i've always when i get in the, when i decide i want to do something i fucking make it happen and i go get it and sometimes i lose sight of the fact that maybe i'm not really into it or my heart's not really in it anymore but damn it i'm gonna go do it it's just more like that's a goal and then you get this like tunnel, tunnel vision. vision on it yeah so that makes me good at executing shit too mm -hmm. but it makes me good at getting divorced as well because that's <laughs> when you get tunnel vision all the time you're always doing the next thing yeah and so jessica's really my, my current my wife forever wife my current my it sounds ridiculous to say that but <laughs> you should introduce her like that all the time just my current wife <laughs> for now <laughs> no like my my forever wife jessica is someone i've known since i was a little kid we, she was the first person i ever messed around with like in, in eighth grade and like so she i always kind of had a special spot for her but then when we reconvened after we'd both gone, gone through a bunch of life in our 30s it was just like oh okay this is perfect now I never got the tunnel vision vibe from her so much. I was just like able to do what I wanted to do. And I knew I had a partner. So that was like, this is more of a love story at this point. But it was just kind of like that. That is what really opened me up. It gave me the courage to start being myself at work more. Yeah. To start standing up to bullshit. Like my, there are executives in my company saying shit like faggot, like in meetings and stuff. And I'm just like, they, they were calling me faggot for wearing like stylish stuff. I'm like, first off, is it appropriate to say that word? Yeah. You know, and like, and second, oh, you're you're like one of those guys. Now, yeah, exactly. Huh? And second, and I'm like, <laughs> secondly, like, what you, look at your pants. You're wearing fucking khakis from 1982 with pleats in them. Shut the fuck up, you straight guy, loser. You want me to suck your dick right now? I will if I have to to prove. You know, and so like, I was never offended that the, I actually have been confused as gay numerous times in my life, and I've always kind of been like, I kind of appreciate that. It's like, yeah. wow, this person thinks I'm, you know, like open-minded enough to not be mad if they're wrong about it yeah <laughs> that's kind of how i look at it like well i've i've heard that a few times about myself too and i think it was always just because i went to a school where most people dressed pretty preppy and were like well on the college track and i was kind of like in and out of class barely good <laughs> barely gonna graduate dressed like one day wearing a sean john shirt the next day dressed like a punk rocker just kind of like i don't care <laughs> costumes yeah and people are like what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, just pick a style. I'm like, why? Yeah. Yeah, dude. You don't have to pick a style. Although I do like your look today. I've never seen you look so preppy today. You know, the funny thing about this, for anybody who's just listening, if we even do the video, I have mostly black. It's a gray, um, gray, you know, work shirt, collared shirt with a black tie and a black sweater vest. And this is what I would wear every day when I was a teacher on Monday. And when kids started saying, why do you wear that same black outfit just on Mondays? I say, because I'm mourning the loss of the weekend. <laughs> okay, well, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. <laughs> this is a pretty, so, this is a, a Monday. I was like, you know what? I'm going to put on my old Monday outfit. I could see, I could see you wearing like a, a tweed jacket with leather pa elbow patches and being I like do, a professor. I totally would have, but that they told us we couldn't do stuff like that. I could barely get away with wearing this. The only way I could is because it was a solid color, but it wasn't technically the school colors. 
Well, they made us dress in the same school coat as the kids. Well, I came to school like in a in a suit because when I graduated from high school or from high school from college and was getting ready to be a teacher, I went out and bought some suits because I was like, I'll need these. <laughs> and then I get a job, and they're like, you have to wear uh, khaki pants and and shirts. You just look like a big student. Who's that yeah. bearded student over there? <laughs> yeah, and I made I got a collection of different sweaters and sweater vests because they're like you can't wear anything multicolored. Um, so I was like, well, what if it, the shirt is multicolored, but I have a vest over it? Well, that's okay. So yeah. <laughs> lots of multicolored shirts with vests. It's a good look. I think you should. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Definitely beats like Sean John shirts. Yeah. Well, you know, the Sean John shirt that I had was dope though. It looked kind of like, uh, 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 what are they called? San Antonio Spurs. It was the style of like a San Antonio Spurs jersey, but it's a John like John on teal it and green, like, like that kind of vibe or black or was it just black, black and white, black and silver. Okay. Like Spur- with silver, like a lot of the Spurs stuff has like that. Like they've got that San Antonio like Hispanic color scheme in the background a lot of times. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know enough about it. Greg Popovich, what do you think about him? Um, I like coaches that keep an even keel. Yeah, and he seems like a guy that doesn't really flip it too much. No, he's pretty cool. He's a good. And also he's woke as fuck too. Like Joe Torre, same way, he's always pretty chill. Yeah. Pete Carroll gets like animated as shit, but he never really is like, "What's the matter with you guys?" Like it, yeah. It's always like either positive or just kind of like, hmm. Yeah, I'm 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 happy with the overall arc of humanity. Although things <laughs> seem like they're more divided now than average on the whole, generally people are cooler nowadays. And mm-hmm. if you, if you like watch pop culture shit like TV or whatever from like the 2000s, mm-hmm. there was so much negging it was all like negative, toxic bullshit. It was popular at the time. And like, mm. we all grew up in that. We were watching that kind of stuff. And like, now it's like more in vogue to be cool, to be open to shit. Yeah. Um, I think it's a positive. <laughs> I, th- I think they tried to make America into this like plastic fake thing in the 1990s with all the, you know, every sitcom you watched was had a uh, moment at the end, you know, like, <laughs> and it was all stuff like, oh, so-and-so stole a candy bar. We got to talk to like you know. Yeah. Nowadays, people can actually talk about real stuff like oh, abortions. You know, like on TV, like <laughs> exactly. So, I think maybe just people being. I don't. I don't think people were ever willfully ignorant back in the nineties. No, they just were though. But I think that everything was so like corporate, and we want to, you know, we want to put our name on this, so we don't talk about anything. And, and to to some extent, it's getting back to that, like to some degree, because of the cancel culture going on. And I don't want to sit here and pretend like I'm opposed to people getting canceled because there are bad there's bad behavior that's been exposed through all this and I, that's great fuck yeah. that well especially the, the the worst of it like the the sexual assault yeah the weinstein is, and all that shit yeah. yeah anything like that is uh i mean come on you had i evaluated some I, there are definitely times where i've acted inappropriately not like rapey oh, yeah. but like well, i know that i've applied pressure when i shouldn't have and things like that and like th- that whole thing really gave all of us an opportunity if you're being aware of yourself or to just look at. walking with a group of friends like i've been with uh, uh guys since i've been married and had kids where you know we were all having a had a couple drinks and we're walking from one place you know to another place and some guys are like hey baby like i'm just like dude oh dude why don't don't yell that's never been cool yeah don't but, Jerry Seinfeld's got a great joke about that. He's like, "Is it?" He's like, "What's with the dudes hitting the horns going by a pretty lady? Like, what, is that all we can come up with? That's it?" He's like, "What do you think she's gonna take her high heels off, run after you? Hey, get back here!" <laughs> and so I've always had that kind of mentality. But the, yeah, overall culturally, I'm happy with where we're at. Yeah, you know? and sometimes it takes some bullshit asshole type environment and exposure to people. Mm-hmm. Like if you expose people to things, they're gonna generally 
understand it a little bit better. Yeah. And I think people make more of some of the, like, well, just for example, the Dave Chappelle stuff that he's going through right now, we don't even need to talk about it because yeah. everybody knows. But in regular life, not that many people talk about it, but it's all the time in the news. And I don't know. I think, yeah, I think we're getting closer to a point where people are just ready to have a conversation and not just be upset all the time. 100%. And I think, yeah, as we're getting down, we, we were talking about a personal friend that we both have that was that there was a community here in Grand Rapids trying to cancel her for for using like terms like Asian glaze in her recipes. She's a white lady. And I'm not saying that that's not insensitive necessarily. I, if that's if that's if the community is saying that's insensitive. OK. Yeah. Then she listen. acknowledged yeah. it. Yeah. She's working on getting that out of her. She probably already has completed it, gotten out all of her recipes. And they just continue to go after her and go after her sponsors and tell her, hey, quit, you know, you should step away from this woman, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. She hired some independent consultants who came in and reviewed it all and said, no, all this, this looks performative. Like the people that are going after you, it's performative to grow their followings. It's not really based on anything. You know, you're, you're fine. You handled it fine. And we're getting to the point it's the bottom of the barrel of cancellation at this point. Yeah. You know, like well, there, there's a lot of people still getting away with bullshit, but there's a lot of people now that like the outrage has to go somewhere and they're finding people that maybe made some mistakes, but aren't really truly exemplifying bad racism or whatever that they yeah. might be that they're going after. It's like, well, like you said too, about people that are like, Oh, will attach themselves to a cause just for the sake of, you know, whatever it yeah. might do for them. Social media wise. Right. There, I think it has some kind of the same effect as uh, I saw a video of a wrestling coach at an international competition. I can't remember what country it was. His wrestler lost and it was like a technicality or a bad call, whatever it was. And he starts yelling at the referee and people are like getting excited the more he yells. And you can see like his eyes start to kind of like light up when people applaud. And so he takes his jacket off and throws it and people like start applauding more. And he's like, and he gets all the way down to his underwear and like people just applaud more and more the more he does it and i'm like that that's definitely not where that dude was going but that crowd amped him up to make him do that yeah exactly yeah, yeah. we're like in these big echo chambers too right we all know this social media is like there's a ton of value to it but there's a ton of negatives that come with it yeah and i see so much i'm probably guilty of it like i i think that what i'm talking about is authentic mm -hmm. because i i do believe that it is and like i've kind of always felt this way about a lot of stuff but i know that some people that don't know me very well probably see some of the sh things i'm saying and think that it's disingenuous or something and yeah. the, by the way the reality is it's because you can take anything out of context too. And it's because i was really truly being disingenuous for most of my life where i wasn't being myself <laughs> yeah and so now they're seeing the real me and it might kind of be off-putting or yeah you kind of disarming. almost you almost kind of came out like hey you know i know i've always been this like <laughs> guy but i'm kind of i kind of want to like Make stuff and cry. Yeah, can I just learn how to play music over COVID? Or yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> What's your favorite form of poetry? Dirty limericks. <laughs> no, it's very uh, specific. I don't know. Um, honestly, I know you've got it right over there. Okay. I've got the companion. I've got the hardcover uh, where the sidewalk ends, and I posted on it just the other day, and I was amazed how many people you know, compared to the normal bullshit that I post and nobody cares about how many people had like this very strong reaction. They're like, Shel Silverstein. And I, I love that book. We yeah. read that in fifth grade. Like it still holds up though, man. Like Dude, that, that's the, so the, uh, the forgotten language was the one that I put on there. Read it. I can get it. So my podcast is called a talk in the attic, right? And it's based on a light in the attic. Yeah, this isn't about me. It's about you. Go ahead. No, no. I'm, while you're looking that up. <laughs> and Cause I want to, it's dovetails into what you were saying. It's like, 
the reason that that book always resonated with me and Shel Silverstein always resonated with me is because it was like one of the first times when you're little that you're taught something kind of a serious literature nature because poetry is pretty like serious usually. Yeah. And like it's funny, you know, and Shel Silverstein's funny. And so that was a, when you're a kid, you're like, oh man, I could, this is cool. This is something I'm excited to learn about. And so I think that's why it speaks so so much to everyone. Yeah. And well, I probably didn't appreciate the ones that are deeper, but yeah, there's my where the sidewalk ends. Love yeah. it. Did you post the? Uh, um, you want to give it a good reading? <clears throat> Forgotten language. Once I spoke the language of the flowers. Once I understood each word the caterpillar said. Once I smiled in secret at the gossip of the starlings and shared a conversation with the housefly in my bed. Once I heard and answered all the questions of the crickets and joined the crying of each falling, dying flake of snow. Once I spoke the language of the flowers. How did it go? How did it go? Is it good? Yeah. Was he reincarnated then? Is that kind of the implication? <laughs> you think? I think. Or maybe because he was imaginative. The way that I take that with, uh, you know, putting all my bullshit on everything that I view um, is more like a, you, you're born pure in the sense that, you know, you know, you don't think about how you interact with nature. You're just in it. And then over time you, you lose that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right on that. Yeah. It could have some element of imagination too. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it speaks to losing something from childhood. Well, that's going to fit perfectly into our conversation. Yes, it will. So we're like. going to talk about a talk in the attic. <clears throat> Specifically, when did you start planning it seriously? And then how long did that take to turn into a podcast? I like, I'm a person that likes accountability, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of always sharing what I want. If I'm really serious about something, meaning I've thought about it long enough where I can't ignore it anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, if you, I have ideas all the time because I'm partially ADD, I feel like, and I have an active brain. So it's like, uh, if I don't, if I'm not thinking of ideas, what am I doing kind of thing? Yeah. So the ones that I think about <laughs> repetitively and that I'm, I can't get over are the ones I tell people like, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And so I've been telling people I want to do a podcast for about three years. And part of that was I was driving a lot for work and I was listening to a lot of podcasts, frankly. And I was listening to Mark Marin all the time. He, he puts out two a week. He's, his show is WTF. It's one of the yeah. early, early podcasts that's like really blown up. He, he did Obama once, but generally. That was one of the first ones I got into. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. He's, I really like his conversation style. Right. And I always kind of felt like the way he converses with people where he kind of gives himself, kind of get, makes himself vulnerable to somebody first mm-hmm. by sharing something that isn't completely like a, Sometimes you meet people that are bragging to you, and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you don't want to talk to that person. Mark Barron usually has some self-deprecation in there or something like that, mixed in with some advice or whatever. And so I saw a lot of myself in that, and I got better at those kind of conversations to, by listening to them. Yeah. You know? And you kind of just learn how to interact with people by listening to people that are good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. You know? And by the way, Mark Barron has a history of being an asshole back in the day, so like he's learning and getting better along the way, too. And that was cool to see. <laughs> I heard a podcast he did with uh, Amy Poehler. He said, it's nice to meet you. And she goes, oh, we actually met. And he goes, oh, when? And he's, she's like, about 15 years ago, I was- Cocaine. I was doing a show with an improv group, and you actually introduced us. Do you remember that? And he goes, no, what did I say? She goes, he goes, here's some shitty improv group or something. <laughs> and then 
nobody clapped and we just had to walk up there like hey everybody he's like oh i'm really sorry about that <laughs> there's a lot of his episodes a lot of his episodes start out with some sort of like clearing the air <laughs> oh we comedians. actually met a long time ago you told me to go fuck myself yeah you were oh. wasted and yeah you try to try to get me to buy coke for you or something like that that's <laughs> but yeah so so bill Burr's another guy he comes out twice a week yeah uh, without fail so like and doesn't he doesn't edit anything like his He'll leave his kid coming in and being like, I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, then oh, just go to the bathroom. Jeez. Shut the door. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he uh but he's funny. Like he rambles, right? So like his is his is like unfocused. And it's like a, a thing where between between WTF where you get the conversational interview type stuff and Bill Burr, I was getting like all the comedy I needed for the week and while I was doing this while driving for work. So it was like killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. But that was really getting making me more and more like itchy to start a podcast because i'm like i think i could do it i think i could do it i want to do something where it's a combination of interviews and just non-interviews because i want to be able to i'd like to write so that at the end of the day my early level like you asked me earlier what i like to do when i was young i like to write yeah well yeah going back to making those yeah just, movies yeah and, like well, that's that we make movies but i would actually write the scripts and write yeah, it yeah, in, the, yeah. in the right uh, screenwriter format and all this other stuff you know and it was just like so when i those periods of my life where i was putting my writing acumen in my production which is kind of an execution thing if you're producing or directing it's very much like getting people to follow you and and so when i was doing that it was like oh my god this is me at my best because i'm able to be creative a little bit but i can still use my my kind of like more science technical brain that i like to and all that and i started seeing the podcast as like just the the best and most accessible way for me to start doing it something where i could relive that like why this is another cliche why wouldn't you do what you're do what you're doing when you're the happiest in your life yeah you know when i when i've been happiest in my life has been when i've been creative yeah and, and, and not just like living in a philosophical bubble being oh how i think you have a unicorn with a you know but like actually making something yeah. to me like unless i'm producing it and actually coming out with it i don't view it as done and right. i'm not saying that's the right way to be necessarily because right. there's some people that can be <laughs> ethereal and then they can talk about that and that's enough that's a, you know what i'm saying but just for my own personal t- upbringing or whatever the fuck it is i need to pr- produce something at the end of it and what better than a way than a podcast to produce stuff because it's quick mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i was making two a week for the first year right and so like that's a lot that's a lot of podcasts but like that was the and only we'll way that, that, that's the process of, and talk about how much work that actually is in a minute but yeah and it's a lot of, by the way if you don't if you're not making yourself release it in my opinion you're not being held accountable. It goes back to the accountability thing. Mm-hmm. I'd like to tell people I was going to start the podcast until before I finally did it because then I knew I had some pressure on me to start it, yeah. right? Kind of in like a weird fucking background way, you know? That wasn't necessarily the motivation outwardly, but that's definitely what now it is, people, looking back. I said it. I told people I was going to do it. I don't want to be that guy who's like, I just didn't know. Exactly, and if, if I'm not to that same tune, if I'm not putting out an episode every week or whatever or two a week or every couple weeks, whatever, then I'm no, then people can't rely on it, mm-hmm. which is not a good thing because you got to be reliable based on what I was taught. And you're also not making yourself accountable to get better because every time I release one, I'm like, oh man, I, I'm happy with it, but I could have done this better. Mm-hmm. you know. And I don't get down on that part. I just know that that's part of it. And then I make sure that it doesn't happen the next time. Yeah. And that's why if you listen to my show, and I've, I've seen this with your show too, but like you can really hear a huge development in my show, whether, whether yeah. regardless of what your belief on the content is, that's going to be you know, different per person. Mm-hmm. But there's no question that you'll hear better production every fucking episode and if you hear something that's kind of weird in one of them it's because some technical difficulty happened and i didn't i tried to save it whatever yeah, yeah. you know but like generally my production is I, I would put it up with anyone now and i know that i wouldn't have gotten there if i didn't 
release it to the world to see that I'm not very good yet. Yeah, you, know you would saying? have been on like, episode 14 if you were just waiting until each one was perfect. Yeah, and it takes repetition. <clears throat> yeah. Like, yeah, you can practice and make fake podcasts at your house, but if you're going to do that much work, you might as well just release it. Yeah. And if you're going to do something, it doesn't take that much. It doesn't take any more time to do something hard and well than it does to half-ass it. Yeah. It actually takes longer when you half-ass it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I've always <laughs> yeah, yeah, been yeah. like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to fucking go do it. But that's also why I partied too hard in my life at times. Because, you know, like, I, I go all in on shit, right? It's like, yeah. don't go in all in on cocaine, people. It's not the best decision, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not a good long-term uh, option. Right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's just like a... Oh, sorry to interrupt. No. I mean, of course. Mayo mustard? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Mustard. Good? Yeah. yeah. I'll be back in a couple. My brother-in-law Thanks. will. God bless him. Sorry, I didn't know I didn't know if you were just like hanging out or if you were at, needed to tell us something. Well, Sorry to make you stand there so long. Interrupt the point. So that's why I was like, I got to wait for a, a moment here. Well, just so you know, you can always interrupt for sandwich offers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, cool. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I'll do just turkey, Will. You have turkey? Yeah. All right, ready. Okay. Well, my brother-in-law... Oh, I'll do bacon too, yeah. What? Yeah. I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> so my brother-in-law, Will, recently moved in with like, us. I'm surprised He's... he didn't ask for steak. I didn't know steak. <laughs> oh, you don't want the Jew on there then? <laughs> my brother-in-law, Will, just interrupted us uh, and asked if we wanted a sandwich. So yeah, what a nice, that's a nice offer. Man, that's that's the best interruption I've ever had for a podcast, <laughs> ever, ever. Normally it's like I'm bleeding or... <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you some questions about like podcasts. Tell me about the time you did this or that or that. But um, uh, we... so while so over those three years that you're kind of asking me about how I yes, yes, yes. turning ideas into action or whatever, right? Yeah. And so like that was kind of what was going on in the background. Well, then at the end of all that, in August of 2018, I rekindled my relationship with my now wife, mm-hmm. who we had a long history with. Cool chick, by the way. She, she, yeah, she's like just awesome. She's like completely improved me you know which is cool as fuck not to say it talk about it selfishly but at the end of the day we're all our own person and like i got better with her which is cool yeah the other people would that would not be the case that i'd been with you know mm-hmm. so i got with her my brother had a serious heart attack at 42 yeah he his you're, heart stopped slightly older brother yeah yes he's i'm 37 he's he's 45 now so this is a few years back but he had a serious heart attack and his heart stopped for almost five minutes. Yeah. And there's a paramedic that was there that he's actually formed a relationship with the EMT. Oh. Because he like cool. kept him alive and by keeping his heart pumping with chest compressions. Kept he, like, the oxygen going to his yeah, brain. Yeah, he didn't so have he didn't brain, brain issues dead. and shit. Yeah. So yeah. like for that long, usually you would have something like that. But there's a period of time where I thought he died just because like his wife was shaken up and said she doesn't think she's going to make it. Then her phone died. And like I'm like, oh, I have no idea where he's at. But luckily... Uh, they so the last thing she heard was like his vitals are not looking. He was good. she was in the she was in the ambulance with them when his heart stopped, and it's a crazy story. It's a crazy story. Um, that should maybe be a whole podcast you do sometime. I, I talked about it pretty substantially in my about the host episode, the first one, which it's a good episode to learn more about me. But the sound quality is the worst ever because it was my first it was one. The first one you <laughs> learn a lot in those first four or five six of them oh yeah a lot and i didn't have any sound treatment going on i was just talking like a kind of an echoey room and but anyway that happened so matt jessica was she opened my eyes up to what i why i was dissatisfied at work so that's going on my brother has a heart attack survives and is fine but that was touch and go for a while uh that made me want to get serious about my health because i was kind of just like unhealthy at the time i was drinking a lot i was doing drugs occasionally at that point 
um, not like super into it, but I was just unhealthy. I was working all the time on yeah. my ass, driving, listening to podcasts, living for today, not thinking about tomorrow. Yeah, or or just living for like that, making sure I get the deal at work. Yeah, you know, and that puts you in like tunnel vision mode, and then you're everything else is just autopilot, right? Well, yeah, because I mean, to some degree, you should live for today, and not be thinking about yeah. tomorrow, but. In the negative sense, that that's what I was trying to say was that, yeah. Yeah, no, You're exactly. thinking about, like, this is fun now. I don't care what the consequences are. Yeah, exactly. And it was always focused on getting the job done at work because I was, yeah. I was just wired that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm still wired that way when it comes to productivity. Like, I want to make sure I get shit done. And so all of this was happening at one time. When I started getting healthy about myself or getting concerned about my own health, I went and got, like, a full battery of testing, like, more than the standard physical that I was getting for work. And they figured out that I had some like high liver enzyme count thing. Hmm. And so I had to abstain from drinking for that period of time because they, they were they were trying to narrow down what it was. And when I abstained from drinking, I just like went all in on getting healthy. I ate better. Jessica and I were really active at that point because we were just in you know, honeymooning and like yeah. walking around. It was really nice out that fall. We were just walking around GR a lot and all this, right? And I was <laughs> trying to look good for my new girlfriend too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so like yeah, that doesn't hurt. you're right. And so all of that happened like in one moment in time and everything changed for me at that point. Like I really started to see my, see through my work. I saw what I was unhappy there and I was nobody's fault other than I'm just misplaced. It's not the right spot for me. Yeah. You know? And so that was when I started saying like, okay, I have to be authentic. It sounds like a, a thing that's kind of a, all over the social media these days, like authenticity and stuff. But like, there's something to it as well. It's not just bullshit. It's like, yeah, you feel better when you're being authentic, even if it's not presenting as well to the people that you, because again, it's based on, I used to base a lot of my decisions looking back on what other people were going to think of me. Yeah. You know? So like, that's not really the way to do it. Obviously you have to worry about how are you thinking of yourself? And so when I started doing all this stuff and had the support of Jessica and I knew I had that person forever and just like all that, I, I really accelerated my, my end at my old company. And as soon as that end, as soon as that ended, we traveled a bunch. Uh, Jessica and I went and saw one of our favorite bands. We went and saw this Rainbow Kitten Surprise Band for the first time in Grand Rapids at the intersection, like on a whim. And we loved them. They were awesome. And they were very much about being themselves. Uh, they're kind of weird. It's cool as fuck. Yeah, yeah. You I were was saying that they've got a, a transgender person in the band. Yeah. Uh, somebody who had just recently come out as gay. Yeah, exactly. They had already released two albums, which we really love as well. Uh, at which time Sam Malo, their lead singer, was still like either closeted homosexual or didn't even really come to terms with it himself. I don't know. I don't want to speak for him. Yeah. yeah. But his the third album, which is the one that we went and saw the tour in support of, mm-hmm. um, he had just come out and this they have a song called Hyde. It's fucking great. And Hyde is about his story kind of. And they, they he actually used that song in that video as like his coming out. And so we we saw this guy as like this beacon of being himself. And then we look back on old videos and stuff and he's dressing totally different and not really, you know, you can tell he's not really being himself. Yeah. And so seeing someone do that was so eye-opening for me. Um, seeing. Yeah, because people don't think about it, but I mean, I remember, I won't, <laughs> I won't name any names here, but talking to a gay friend of mine who said that in high school he didn't, he would go out of his way to like not dance to NSYNC songs. Just so people yeah. would be like, oh, you like that? And so he'd always be like, oh, this song sucks. Even though, like, inside he was like, I love this. And a bunch of straight kids were dancing to it, too, probably. Yeah, yeah he, like didn't, he, didn't, he really tried to, like, you know, tip into the, like, the macho. Yeah. Just to make sure that people didn't figure it out. Yeah, I can he see was that. Dancing to that song, you know? Yeah, I can see that. I think we all do things like that on different, hiding different parts of ourselves or whatever. Yeah. You know? 
And so, see, Hope, do you know Hobo Johnson and the Lovemakers? <clears throat> around the, if right, I heard it, maybe. Around the same time that we were coming into Rainbow Kitten Surprise, we saw his tiny desk. He's like a spoken word poet, punk singer, kind of, but they have like kind of a fun. I don't really love his recorded music, but his tiny desk concert yeah. on, you, on YouTube from NPR is so good. It's hard to capture that feeling of live music. It is. And especially the way they play, because it's very emotional. He screws up a couple times and restarts, and it's just like. It's yeah. I, I seeing, think you lose some of the soul when you overproduce things. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So seeing, so seeing uh, Hobo Johnson, like nobody was asking for like ska punk spoken word from some kid from eighteen year old kid from San Jose. That wasn't a there wasn't a white space in the market for that. There was no demand for that. I think I have seen this kid before. Yeah. Uh, now that you say it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got kind of like curly, like almost. And like he's a always got girl. a big smile on his face. Yeah, yeah but yeah, he's yeah, super yeah, anxious. Yeah. You can tell he's got some serious anxiety going, kind of. Seeing that guy was as transformational as any of these things, probably just because I'm like, wow, nobody's asking for this, but somehow this kid made this at, at such a young age by being himself and doing what he wants to do. And again, these are cliche things, but to see it and have it really affect me, a big part of it was I stopped drinking. I fucking stopped drinking, so I wasn't, and I wasn't a daily drinker either. But like, I would get, I would party a few times a week. Yeah, weekends and maybe one time during the week sometimes going out with the coworkers or the friends yeah, or customers or, or friends having a, having a Saturday afternoon thing yeah and years, I would drink yeah. heavily and I wouldn't be fucking like sloppy at the end of the night but I would be fucked up for most people and I would wake up in the morning and feel shitty yeah. I would feel guilty about it I would feel feel terrible until physically dinner. terrible yeah don't sleep well wake up with like bacon sweats no exactly exactly and so <laughs> that was a big part of it my mind was clear for the first time since I was like 19 yeah you know and like I started to feel like a kid. I saw Hobo Johnson. I saw RKS. Mark Rebier was blown up at the time. We would have been exposed to him. And I was starting to see all these people that I had common out. I, I viewed myself having commonalities with them. I don't think other people necessarily might not say that, at least at the time. But like I saw myself in them and I thought, man, I want to be that. I want to do what those guys are doing, which is authentic to themselves, even if nobody wants to hear it or see it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Because I believe that I'm a good enough producer. And I don't mean like producer in like a musical sense or anything like that, but just like person that will put shit out and put at a high level. I feel I felt like I, I'm gonna go hard at this. So I don't really have to worry about the results because I just have to commit to doing it. Yeah. Because it might I, be it might be quote unquote weird or it might only appeal to a very small group of people. Yeah. But hey, you know, it's it's you doing something you like to do, and that will resonate stronger with whoever that's, that's how it grows. However too. small the crowd is, it will resonate stronger. And it will grow because of that. Yeah. You know, it's like you can like there's sometimes even today, even today, I'm 152 episodes in. Right. And even today, I there are times where I like th think something's good and funny. And then I start to think of some of my friends, especially my less supportive friends. Mm -hmm. Like so I have some friends that just don't fucking support it. Yeah. When and I don't know them, why. Hey, I'm going to do this thing. And they're just kind of like, they don't even mm -hmm. ask me about it or anything. And why? I, think, okay. I have to look at myself. I'm a reflective person. So it's possible that I'm when i'm talking with these people maybe i'm only talking about that but i think i'm not like that like i yeah. think i'm talking about them as well whatever the case i have some friends that are less supportive and i sometimes like running like man maybe is this person gonna like that and i've, I've gotten better about shutting that off especially late really recently because they're not fucking supporting it anyway so who cares, who cares about that and secondly they're not the ones that are out there doing it you are so you have to be happy with it kirk right and so that whole game I don't know. It's it's come part of the development, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how we got on that subject, but well, let's get off it then. Yeah, it's just it's just <laughs> kind of a it's 
it's just the whole creative process is fun. It's like you're putting yourself out there. That's what it comes down to is yeah. being true to yourself. And you can be true to yourself and out without publishing it as well. Yeah. But like I said, like I like the accountability of having to publish something. I like that people are going to give me feedback. That might yeah. that I like the risk of it not being good enough for people to like it. I like tracking the numbers. It's like well, it's like some people would say that it's not a good idea to self-publish something, but uh, you know, at the same time, do you want to try to figure out that whole game and it might take five six years and then that book's not even relevant anymore, or just go, eh, I'll see what happens and if I get bad feedback, then I'll be like, oh okay, I at least. Heard- Heard some stuff I can work on. A hundred percent. You're going to be better. Your next book will be better. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. And you'll, the process will go smoother. Or a writer could go, oh, that's a good point. And just have one book that they're trying to pitch for 15 years and never really move on. Oh, well, maybe I'll just change this. Oh, maybe I'll just change that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I feel like nowadays more every, every day it's self-publishing is a better looking opportunity option and just because of the way that things are being disintermediated in the, in the, in the culture. Yeah. Like there's so many small, um, you know, small independent presses. But a lot of those guys, what they do is they just license it to hire you. a book designer for you, hire an editor for you, and then put your stuff on Kindle Direct. Yeah. Not different. <laughs> not really any different. Yeah. I yeah. can just do that myself, and now I have a podcast. So right. I've got a small network that's probably bigger than some small press networks. I won't say all of them, because some of them are really great, but yeah. that's nothing to do with anything. So No, no. I appreciate let's... what you're saying on that, though. It's like, so you do you, uh, do you value like getting it out? I mean, you've gone with the self-publishing route for your first ones. Or no, you, have, you haven't really officially done I'm, that. Or you yeah, are. no, I'm, I'm going to put it out this summer. Okay, so, so then... Got you... an editor working on it right now, an awesome dude named TJ Tranchel. He nice. writes uh, horror. He actually wrote a, an exorcism story that takes place within the Mormon church. So if you want to read about um, Mormon exorcism, it's called Tell No Man. I just started it last night. It's awesome. Is it a novel or a short story? Or? It's a novella. It's like 150 pages, nice. give or take. Yeah. So does the editing process for you, when you have an outside editor like that, because you've edited the hell out of that thing already. I've edited it and I had somebody copy edit it, which is basically just like punctuation a person stuff. doing what Microsoft Word would, yeah. or just you know saying like, hey, this doesn't sound quite right. You might want to more of like the linguistics and stuff but with this editor tj more like an english teacher yeah not yeah. like a developmental thing right but the t- this this editor now tj will he actually like write full sentences in and make changes like that i don't know if he'll do like you should say this instead of that but he might say reword this and think about you know this big picture connecting to this thing when you're doing that because like right now it just kind of ends awkwardly and goes to the next you know something like that that's cool though yeah. Is that hard for you to take criticism? His whole job, no. I, when yeah. it comes to writing, no. And when it comes to music, too. That's why I keep bugging you about playing music. I don't even care if it sounds good or if it sounds bad. It's just fun to go like, hey, you do that thing again. I'm going to try this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's fun, man. Yeah, It's all creative. So that's the way I look at it is if somebody says, hey, something's not good about your writing and I can get defensive or I can say, oh, I paid that person to tell me well, that so it's good to know yeah it's different when it's like your <laughs> uncle or something well i don't like it but when it's someone that you've brought yeah. into the fold to tell you you can't be i'm sure there are still people that hire editors and still tell them they're wrong when they tell them that they're wrong i'm but, I'm sure people yeah have gotten combative with editors and sometimes you need to i'm sure sometimes they'll be like i don't think you should keep this scene in and it's like personal to you for some reason well, I think you should unless they the can convince you that it's like just but yeah yeah extraneous. everybody needs everybody needs to be asked like is this necessary right and you can Ultimately, the author is the one who gets to say, yes, it is, or no, it's not. That's a good point. Yeah, and ultimately, the publisher does, too. But a good editor, <clears throat> I think most writers will tell you, a good editor is right like 95% of the time. Yeah. Anybody's Anybody else's eyes other than just your own is always going to be helpful, though. Yeah. Just because... Somebody who's written books before and edited books before, 
and gone through the whole process and knows like, oh, you're going to make sure you need this, not this. Yeah. You know, all those little ins and outs that just come with experience. Right. Because a lot of people write books, have a English degree. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah, you need to get somebody who's got experience. Industry experience. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people can write, <laughs> but yeah. Right. It's about, it's about a team thing. People don't think about books that way too, but it is, it's a, definitely a team thing. I almost think, especially when the people, aren't people, I like, almost think that the editor's name should be up there with the authors. If, if not way smaller. <laughs> and Yeah. Definitely smaller though. But I mean, isn't it true that Stephen King uses like ghostwriters and stuff or is that fake? No, 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 no. You're thinking of uh, James Patterson. Oh. He writes books with people. Um, and it'll say James Patterson, huge on the top. And, you know, Bob Smith. I, mean, I don't know. It's probably still a good writer. opportunity for Bob Smith, though, right? But what what I've heard about those are that that person basically writes the book, gives it to him, and he, like, makes notes or changes this thing here, there, or whatever. And then they, you know, puts his name big on it. But it is. Like, it's, that, if your name it, is on a book with James Patterson, you're going to instantly have a career. Yeah, it's like opening for a DMB or something. Or, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like opening for the Beatles. Right. Well, I'm not going to say he's the Beatles of writing, but yeah, definitely. He's big. He's commercial, though. Definitely though, big. Yeah. Definitely big, big, big. Yeah, I mean, he gets his own little area at the bookstore sometimes and stuff. So. Yeah, I don't think any authors changed anything as much as Stephen King has as far as like bringing books cool into the mainstream again. How did we get to talking about this? Let's talk about you now. Well, I don't know. I like hearing about your... Yeah, no, that's stupid. We'll do that another time. Okay. If you ever get bored for uh, yeah, enough not, about you, Chris. Jeez. Not bored, but if you ever if you ever like, hey man, I need some content, then you can ask me more stuff right. on your show. Um, That's not happening. So, <laughs> no, you're done. That <laughs> that was the worst show ever. Uh, the the show itself. How long does it take you to put together, um, just one of your solo ones? Because you'll have sometimes you'll have three different videos, like <laughs> you, Mister Nasty. Oh yeah, and um, and Herbie. <clears throat> break down the writing first of all because you do write these i do write them so I, i'm I, I write very quickly so i the way that i like to write this is how i've always been able to write is like i yeah i, I can hear my voice. that was a terrible setup yeah kirk in your own words just kind of run us through your creative process for yeah. making a show so i start the first couple okay my show goes generally the cadence is tuesday solo shows friday long form interviews i've mm -hmm. gotten away from that schedule because i've been busy but but that's the kind of the general format, and that's always going to be the mix to some extent. I'm going to have some solo episodes that are shorter in a longer form interview. Uh, like I said, that's kind of I want to exercise both of those muscles, the interviewing part and the writing part. And so let's start with a solo episode. The first few I released, I didn't script them. I might have had some bullet points or or I just rambled at times. I didn't like that because it, it ultimately for me, I'm quicker at making an episode when I write it out. Yeah. Because otherwise I get kind of lost in like the – uh indecision paralysis or whatever where you're like there's too many <laughs> options you know because i'm like i said i'm like ah, thinking of shit all the time yeah, yeah so so when i commit to something a topic or what have you i i write it down and i generally write like by talking in my head i don't know if that's how you if that's how everyone writes or but like the way well, that i elaborate write on that what do you mean the way it? that i write is exactly the way that i talk so you'll speak it in your head not yeah, out loud right go that sounds right or yeah, instantaneous. I'll be like, I just can write it that way. I don't know. It's like speed of writing has always been good for me. And so, do you write more or less kind of stream of conscious than as you're thinking it, you're writing it? It is. Or do you I, think it through a couple times then write it down? I generally so on these episodes, I I usually think about the topic that I'm gonna write, 
like for a few for a few weeks sometimes sometimes months honestly like it's i've got something percolating in my head of like, sandwiches oh hell yeah just had a quick sandwich break there with two of the world's fastest eaters thanks will Man, all it took is a club sandwich to get eternal thanks. This guy knows a thing or two, but now he's wiping his hands on my tablecloth. It was. Okay. I drank mine already. I'm, I'm... I want to see how much damage you and I could do at like a sushi buffet. Dude, there's this place in Japan called Yamachan. It's like a wing place. They have these special wings called tebasaki. And I think it's got like my take on it. There's there's probably recipes available, but I believe it's white pepper. There's a lot of white pepper in it, black pepper, maybe garlic too, of course. But it's like really they're really lean wing wings. There isn't a lot of fat on them, mm. and they're not breaded or anything. And they're just like they might be pan fried a little bit, but then they're like broiled. So it's like a, kind of more of a cleaner situation. But like you can just rip them apart, and, right? Well, Japanese cuisine style, oftentimes in large groups, and this is kind of a place where you'd go out with workers and stuff. It's not like a fancy place. It's like yeah, yeah. an after work kind of place. And like a lot of times they'll order like 20 different items for the table. And each one is like, you know, like a 10 piece of this or whatever. When, my, when I would go there with fellow Americans or even just myself, I would order, I would, they would have to bring out someone that had a better grasp on English to make sure that I was actually ordering like 50 of these fucking wings. <laughs> Because like they're like, like, five? like hold on like a five you mean they're like no we want fifty and we're probably gonna order more and they're like oh one second they this come guy back. doesn't speak Japanese can you come he's, he's I would go he counts to two five zero he can only count to knee yeah exactly exactly so yeah I don't know why we talked oh that would, we could hand, do some damage is what I'm saying and I would be glad to don't don't if if we can go somewhere that's far away from anybody else that we know so we don't have to like see people. Yeah, it's like Jim Gaffigan. He's yeah. <laughs> what he's like, you see people have, like, lay out, give them some slack. They're selling burgers and shakes. Why you got to treat them like they're <laughs> trying to change the world? You know. <laughs> see your friend there, like, oh, I'm not here. I'm I'm here to get a prostitute. Actually, I'm not here to eat. Yeah. All right, now let's talk about. The writing process when you write how much editing do you do like so when i was asking do you write stream of consciousness or do you think about it more and then write it do you kind of write with your editor mode on or do you write it however you think it and then look at it and kind of clean it the latter the latter but my cleanup is generally pretty limited just because like because it's a voice maybe like maybe like a one or two time over yeah I'll, what i'll so here's what i'll do i'll, I'll write the thing uh stream of consciousness completely and throughout that i'll do some editing too like if i get to the next site se the segue or something and i think oh man i can do a good segue here that would relate back to this joke if i would just change the word up in this joke mm. same joke basically but change the whatever or the cadence or things like that so i'll generally get that done while i'm writing so there's occasionally going back but it isn't like some like it's more yeah. just like yeah, and nor is I, it like you get a big whiteboard and you're like drawing a yeah. This can connect over here. Bunch we'll of yarn, this and, bunch of yarn attached yeah. to stuff. No, it's uh, I, I like to I like to produce I like to produce things and I keep thinking so of Charlie I, Kelly in the mailroom. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, <laughs> I view the uh, 
because I'm responsible for everything on the podcast, you know, just like you are, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no choice but to view the writing segment as like a part of the labor. So writing can't take forever. Yeah. Because I know when I'm done with that, by the way, I'm doing all this on the day that I release it for the most part. I've done some advanced writing, but generally I want to be authentic. I want to be talking the day that I'm recording from my heart, the way that I'm actually feeling that day and not something I wrote a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. And especially because I write with like my own internal voice and it, it needs, I, I need to understand the rhythm with which I was just writing that. Cause I might look at it a few days and like, I won't have the same cadence or the same rhythm, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, your mind has drifted elsewhere and you can't quite exactly get it back. So for that same, for that reason, and because I'm a procrastinator and obviously someone that likes to justify his procrastination, <laughs> I, I, I like to write the day of the episode. So if I get, yeah, Kirk says he's busy a lot, but he never really elaborates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the, the writing process is, can only be so much time of it. It can only be so much because I have to go clean up usually because i'm usually sloppy when i'm writing you know like yeah and you do put a nice presentation uh with your camera work and everything too so there's a video element of it too so like you were, you were asking me about the three when i have i interview myself and on occasion and things like that as different yeah, and you characters. Have to multi-layer things and i can tell sometimes that like you'll slow the yeah video of you down a little bit that's an example so when i did mr mr nasty and herbie that was just a couple episodes ago i uh <clears throat> i yeah, had to do something very like much that. fun to listen to that was actually probably one of the more fun ones to listen to first and then watch. Oh, yeah. Because it's it's like a different experience listening and watching those. That's a good point you brought up because the writing, the, the video didn't really come into it until about halfway through. And now it's a part of it. It's an element because I always like video. Oh, part so of you it. had like dozens of episodes with no video at all? No video. Okay. Yeah. And I've released some of those on YouTube just as like the waveforms, like how I've seen yeah, you yeah, do yeah. it. I do it and nobody gives a shit about yeah it's, it's, people watch youtube to watch something most of the time exactly there are there is a crowd like youtube is a large distributor of audible, audible podcasts because it's available for everyone but unless you have a big following or something it's gonna be impossible without giving some visual interest to it mm-hmm. but the reason i, t- I want to hash rehash that is because the writing process is obviously getting compli- gotten complicated as, re- as a result of adding a new medium like it used to just have to stand up as an audio i could just be sloppy looking i could have a shit in my teeth which i may or may not have post sandwich um but hey definitely do right so it's like (laughs) but then i started adding video and not only do you have to consider how it looks but you have to consider that you're not leaving audible people out on jokes that are visual Mm. and so i always make sure that i'm you probably saw the one episode where i said like look i have i was explaining this i have to make sure that the that the jokes or that the podcast holds up as an audible and as a video experience so that neither of you are getting too much of a different experience Mm -hmm. and then as i was saying that I put like on the screen, like, can you believe some of these morons aren't watching this? Something that obviously the audio people wouldn't hear, right? Yeah. So like that just adds kind of an element of complexity. And then the filming of it all adds a complex element of complexity because I'm running lights and all this other stuff too. Uh, but I like that part of it. You know, I don't. It, I, I like being involved with it all rather more so than just any one part of it because I'm a little bit of a perfectionist when I'm singular focused. Mm. So I can't be singular focused. You know what I'm saying? Let's say that this takes off into places that you never imagined. Do you see yourself having a hard time, like not walking over, being over people's shoulders, being like, "Oh, just make sure," or do you think that I think I'm always going to write the thing? Yeah. I mean, if it got big enough where I could hire a team of writers, that would be fucking. No more audio editing. No more video editing. You could do have like direction. Yes. But yeah, I I like delegating things like that. But I know that I have a very specific viewpoint on things as i think everybody has their own specific viewpoint but when you're 
Look, especially my, with something like a podcast too, because there's so many podcasts you want to make it different. unique and in, in yours. It's yeah. mine. That's the thing. It's like my show is not a true crime show. It's not a psychology show. It's not a comedy show. It's like it's whatever I'm feeling that day. And there's generally all of that stuff is not true crime, but generally like there's a lot of elements that are going to be common from week to week. It's consistent, mm-hmm. but the consistency is me. And so you're kind of I'm really invested banking on the fact that people are going to like me. You know, whereas they could be, they could not like me, but if I'm putting out good true crime stories every week, they're going to listen because they're into that because, you know, Americans are, have a perverse fascination with murder, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. so. Especially spouse murder. <laughs> exactly, because it's kind of like fantasy for them, a lot of them. Yeah. Like, oh, this is how I'm going to do it. My wife's being kind of a bitch today. Yeah, you know what? I should get some duct tape from a store really far away <laughs> I with a mask. my tools. <laughs> you know, it's so, <laughs> a, by the way, if you're trying to murder someone, definitely have it not be your spouse because you will get caught. And more like, moreover, have it be somebody that you have no connection with whatsoever. Like it's going to be a complete random activity. If you're connected with them whatsoever, even on Instagram, you might get you might get found. Yeah. I mean, don't. But if you do, but don't. No, but if you're gonna murder, murder smart. Yeah, but don't. But if you're gonna, but I mean, but don't. But don't know. But sometimes but if you people, do, sometimes people have it coming. But if you do, but don't. Yeah. I'm not advocating for murder in any way. But, but if, you're, if you're absolutely going to, but don't. <laughs> to be clear. Okay. <laughs> that was a disclaimer. Times 12. I kind of want to murder him for saying that so many times. shouldn't. But no. if you did. But if I did, it would be bad because it would be yeah, this obviously. conversation exists. I mean, don't. But if you were to. <laughs> the TV is probably recording us through some NSA secret <laughs> program. <clears throat> yeah. If what we're doing is interesting to them, then... <laughs> Good. Maybe peace has finally hit the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the NSA is still listening to this bullshit. <laughs> They're bored. But yeah, so I think the, I think uh, did the TV just turn back on? It's not specific. My show is not specific, other than it's my perspective. So I always feel like I I need to be the writer of it, or yeah. at least the general writer of it. I, yeah. I suppose you know. I suppose people can learn. Like I think of like a guy like David Letterman. Mm-hmm. That's his style. But his group of writers learned how to write for him. So I guess if I if my operation and he looks at the jokes, he's like, nope, yeah, nope, yep, like that one, nope, exactly. So I feel like if my if my show ever got to that level of operation, then I'd find a way to deal with it because that would be dope as hell because I'd be doing that for a job. Yeah, you know, but you'd still want to have the creative control. You wouldn't want to be the guy who's like, now that it's easy. Yeah, I mean, I think that comes through, right? Yeah. You, we all see those people that we fall in love with when they're authentic, and then as and it, well, through no of fault of their own, they just decide to be. It's a job, right? So at the, at a certain point, for efficiency reasons, you ha- can only do so much. You can't be doing. I couldn't be doing this all the time if I had like a throngs of people relying on an episode every two days. You know? Yeah. It would, yeah. It, not without. But then again, I would be getting some. It's a level that you do it now, anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. So it's you just, could throw it, together some horse shit. It's involved. That's right. So involved. So <laughs> when there's times where I don't have the ener- the energy or the time to put together some more ambitious pro- pro- project, like I've been doing more, like more AV based multimedia like thing. With Lucifer, that was awesome. Yeah, I interviewed Lucifer after. This is only because I interviewed Jesus back in the, around Easter, and I I I thought felt I owed it to Lucifer to give him something on Devil's Night. Your cursed anus. He 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 was not he's not as pleasant as Jesus was, but he was he's surprisingly kind of cool. I was gonna say when the cameras were off, I was. Oh, he's merciless when the cameras are off, torturing us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got to he's got to project some little bit of. He's trying to know, drop for the, for the church outreach. They've got to kind of. Yeah, so those those things take longer, but I also really like making those as well. But like that, 
part of the reason that you're seeing a, a reduced cadence of episode release is because I've, those take a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, so the writing for that one took the normal amount of time. Or is that something you're going to follow through on moving forward? Less episodes with more production or? No, I want to do more. Pro- I want to do more episodes with more production probably. <laughs> so there, there's a, there's a battle, there's a time issue, you know, but just for Mike, I, I, th- I do believe in the consistency, probably more the, the consistency of your cadence on a podcast is probably more important than anything else. And I've seen it with my own numbers. As I've gotten more yeah. sparse, my numbers drop. Mm, for um, sure. Because people just can't rely on it. So then when it comes up, they're like, uh, I'm already into this other podcast or whatever, what have you. Mm-hmm. And so I need to recommit to getting that scheduled down. And as my my new professional situation is taking up a lot of time now, but that's kind of becoming more streamlined as I learn it. So, yeah. And it's only a part-time thing. So it's like, I can get back to it. I'm saying it on the podcast. I will get back to twice a week. Um but I do think that I'll have more go. S- accountability buddies. That's right. More solo episodes though, versus split evenly episodes of interviews and, and solos only because I like making solo ones better. Yeah. They're, it's more fun. It's more creative for me. And the conversations are good ways to grow the show though, because there's crossover appeal or whatever. And if, if people, there are people that I've interviewed that have much larger followings than I have. So that's a good outreach thing. Yeah. You know, but that's that's how I feel about this conversation. I'm just using you because you have. Yeah, we'll see if it does anything. Way more. For, we'll see if it does anything for you, though. You know, it may or may not. Because I like again, I feel Your like followers can smell this turd. They're not going to listen. Is there fatigue? I mean, there could be fatigue on me. You know, like that's a thing. A lot. It's <laughs> one of my cousins. I asked him, "What do you think of the of the show?" He said, well, "It's certainly a lot of material." Is what he said. And <laughs> he, he ultimately clarified as if to say that, like. He he can't keep up with it, you know. But like that's okay if, if you're listening to this and he. You've been avoiding me for some reason because you think I'm going to be mad that you haven't listened to all the episodes. It's okay. Yeah. My family doesn't even listen. Yeah. I mean, you have to still see him at Thanksgiving. You know? My my close friends. One one time I had a friend who texted me. He's like, hey, I heard that last podcast about the one thing. That was good. It feels good when you and get that. It's like, oh, cool. Thanks. I know. But yeah, for the most part, like I don't ask people, hey, did you listen to my podcast? I will straight up ask that sometimes because I need <laughs> fucking you? feedback. Oh, It's like I, I, when I'm doing it all myself, as you are. It's a vacuum. <laughs> so I, even now, though, because you've got you can go through. All I generally the get video me. and audio that you've had because I don't know. I I listen back. Oh yeah. Just for just for the just to try to be like I'm just gonna listen to it now because people are like well you hear it when you edit yeah, it and I'm like so not different. really because you're so f- that experience of editing is so fractured. Sometimes you'll be taken out. Somebody goes a lot you just you know you're cutting that out every dude that's what i tell people the editing process <laughs> when i'm done with editing a, a, an interview especially and you have to you have to edit things out but still try to make it sound natural because otherwise somebody will start this story that they're gonna tell for 30 and then it's the end yeah i know of course well it's like wait a minute hold on a second but that there's sound... the, the key thing regardless of how much you're pulling out is when you're editing you're pretty much focusing on the shitty parts of the thing because you're you're finding where that thing starts. You're listening yeah. to the whole shitty you're part. Trying to find all the stuff that can be taken out. Exactly. So by the time I'm done editing an interview, I oftentimes am like, "This sucks. No <laughs> one's gonna like this." And then I'll, I will watch it for scouting purposes. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, like yeah. To, I like I like to like see the progress. Purposes. You know, people probably consider it narcissism, but like football players watch their fucking film. You know, it's like you got to get better. It's the whole point. I've of it. listened, and we can talk about this when we're done. I've re-listened to all but two of mine. Oh, I've listened to all my just like on my phone when I go for a walk because yeah. I think there was a couple where I was just like, eh. you didn't even want to bring yourself to it. Yeah. You might like it. You can go back now. Yeah, I probably would now. 
because I like the sound of my own voice a lot more than I used to after <laughs> hearing it so much. You free, you pretty much lose that like, oh, is that what I sound like? I, I don't yeah. do that ever anymore now. So if you're someone, okay, so let's, this is, should be somewhat instructional to other creative so, folks that are listening. There you go. You know, but I feel like you may not be as hell-bent on, on productivity as I am, and I, I'm for that you should feel blessed, by the way. But at the same time, <laughs> if you're having a, if you feel like you're a creative person and you're having a hard time getting anywhere with it, make yourself accountable and get it on a release schedule or even if it's just for your fr- fr- your family or something or your friends. Yeah. Like say you're going to paint, if you're a painter and you haven't been able to get motivated, make it a thing where you have to paint a, a picture that week for your friend, for a different friend or something. And when you get in the cadence of getting it done, the the for me at least, mm-hmm. I get a fucking buzz. I'm not drinking anymore. Okay, I smoke pot and that's about it, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that on an occasional Saturday with no dabble. And we're in Michigan, so if anybody is listening to this and uh Yeah, but I was smoking pot when it, I was smoking pot when it was people illegal. People in Louisiana well. that are listening to this. It's not legal, don't do it. Well, but if you come to Michigan, you can come hang out with us. Yeah, to be clear, I was we, I at least was smoking pot before it was legal as well. Yeah. But, you know, you have to It you, wouldn't be legal if people weren't doing it before it was legal, so you're welcome. Yeah, exactly. He's got to coerce <laughs> Get, pound them into submission we can't handle it anymore <laughs> by the way people in michigan have become on the whole significantly cooler throughout this process of legalization why because no district no judgment but drinking makes you fucking mad and angry reg- generally and alcohol or sorry and weed on the other hand makes you cool with stuff to the fault that's why when people smoke it too much I you kind of become too broken cool. up probably like three fights they wouldn't have been like fights it would have been like drunk people like just like hitting each other with their insides of their arms but like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you know i've broken up a couple of those because everybody drank too much i don't think i've ever had to be like let's all calm down we've smoked way too much no if anything it's like that person just keeps talking about some weird shit let's move on <laughs> yeah it's like you might be like hey man you've already talked about that like 10 times yeah we get it okay cats in space just watch tv for a minute <laughs> Just watch TV. So we'll put on SpongeBob. But but I think what the <laughs> fuck was I talking about before that? Putting things out on a regular. Yeah, make it happen. Make it happen. And yeah. I, th- I think you'll, you'll find yourself. The buzz that I get nowadays is from learning. Like when I find myself doing something significantly better than I did the last time, I fucking love that feeling. Yeah. And so like that's why I learned. I've been learning. Except music. now I've fallen into this repetitive cycle of like putting something out, being like, "This is better," but I could have done this. Yeah, but that's how you, that's improvement though. Like that little voice that says what well, you could have done better, that's how you aren't yeah. complacent. If you find yourself yeah. not no, saying I don't, that, then I don't it's... beat myself up. I definitely did, yeah. as a creative person, used to beat myself up, especially with writing when I was younger and I would write something and I would just look at one pass of something that I wrote and be like, oh, this is terrible because I didn't understand the whole process of editing and yeah, redrafting and stuff like that. And I just thought I had no talent. Right. But now, yeah, you, you go, oh, this just isn't ready instead of this is terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I think that I think the learning part is, and by the way, you can only you're only gonna you're only gonna be able to take consistent look. The, the reason that schools have report cards and shit is because there needs to be some cadence to evaluation; otherwise, it's useless. Yeah. And so, by forcing yourself into a schedule, even if it's not for public consumption, it gives you a meter to build uh, to look back over time and see where you were making strides. So, things happen in there, and like I, I started teaching myself music over, you know this, but I started teaching myself keyboard. Then I bought a drum kit. And I'm learning both on my own. I'm teaching myself. And as, as Mitch Hedberg said, I, I taught myself how to play the guitar, which was a bad decision because I didn't know how to play, you know? So, <laughs> so I don't really have like good technique or anything, but I'm able to make sounds that sound right. 
Yeah. And I'm getting some rhythm down and all that. And I there's man, I feel when I get better on the piano or better on the drums, I just feel like on top of the world for that day. And without anybody even seeing it, it's just my own personal thing. But then the next morning when you wake up, do you just like it resets and it's like now I need something else? Well, no, it makes me it kind of makes me I'll feel great when I finish it. writing something, when I finish a podcast, and that lasts like all day. Then I wake up the next day and I'm like, now what? Yeah, I mean, there's part of that. But I'm I, I tend to grow obsessive about things. So like there are times where I'm sitting over there watching TV or something, and then the whole time I'm over there, I'm like, I want to be on that piano right now, but you know, yeah, it's not socially acceptable because I'm with a group or, mm-hmm. yeah, and I don't want to be, be that thinking guy. about something. My wife does it to me a lot. She's like, "What are you thinking about so hard?" And I'm like, "Huh?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can you can tell by someone's eyes. You kind of smile once in a while, like laugh or something. Yeah, I'm looking at something like I'm trying to read Braille, but like she's talking to me, and I'm just staring off into the distance. Yeah, very intently on absolutely nothing. Yeah, exactly. Hellman's or Miracle Whip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the big questions in life. Yeah, we're we're not a miracle whip family. I like it okay, but it's never in our house because everybody else can't stand it. Yeah, I mean, I grew up on it, so I'm cool with it. I feel like a deviled egg is better with miracle whip. Yeah, because the miracle whip's the one that has the light, really light blue container, right? Darker blue. Oh, really? the light blue, darker blue and red. Oh, I was yellow and blue is a helmet. I was eating marshmallow fluff. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. That's good on a on a prime rib sandwich, though. Yeah, <laughs> I bet it. it probably you know, if it, if it was prepared right, it better probably taste amazing. Look, I'm a sucker Dump, for sweet and sweet and salty at once. I've seen chocolate covered bugs and you name it. Anything can taste good if you do it right. That's right. <laughs> talking about booties. Yeah. Oh, we're not talking about food. No. No, 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 no. If you prepare the ass correctly, it's ready. It's good. Get your mind out of the kitchen, <laughs> back in the gutter where it belongs. That's right. Yeah, I think uh, the the whole the whole process has been super fun for me to learn. And to Did kinda... you have anybody that you could kind of like lean on no. for any kind of knowledge, podcasting, or even just technical stuff or music stuff? Did yeah, you I have mean, somebody I, like, hey man, show me how to play a chord. So my, or... my friend Joe, uh, my friend Hilton, he goes by Hilton for his like stage name. Oh, I was gonna ask you just yeah. personally how you know him. So he's a, he his dad. He's quite a bit younger than me. He's just like he turned twenty five this weekend actually. Happy birthday, so, bro! Yeah, happy birthday, Joe. He's uh, 12 years younger than me, but his dad is also about 15 years older than me. And so I, I was a coworker of his dad. We, we worked very closely. We, like, handled some accounts together, and, like, he's a great dude. And his son, Joe, has become a good friend. He's a musician in L.A., so he's, like, given me some just really nice kind of overarching. Like a legit musician, like, go look up his YouTube, YouTube yeah, music videos. Hilt, Hilton, yeah. all caps, just H-I-L-T-O-N. Um, that's he's his good. middle name. He's good. So, and he's been working at it hard. And so, like, I want to. The... Uh oh. For the next 13 minutes, we had to switch to some different microphones. But it only sounds that way for the next 13 minutes, and then the original sound will fall back in. He's done my theme song both years. Yeah. Yeah. And so next year, he's going to do it again. But I think I want to try and produce it. He doesn't it. sing, but he does the guitar. He sings too. Oh, I thought you had somebody else that did the. No, that's it. That's all him. Who else did the music then? Loverboy is his friend. Who's actually from Southfield, I think, who lives in LA. And they're just, it's kind of one of his producer buddies who they do a lot of joint. Oh, so together. he did the, he like the drumming. The, he did a lot of the music, like the drumming and stuff like that. He did, Hilton did the guitar and sang. Okay. Yeah. But Hilton, uh, he's a true musician. Like, he's like a troubadour, dude. Like, the guy was, when he was 12 years old, it's when I first got his first CD. And he was writing about shit that was like so heavy. 
And like his songwriting was good from then. From at that point, he already sounded like a songwriter. Yeah. And he was a good pianist. He wasn't confident in his voice yet, or not pianist, guitarist. He he wasn't really confident in his voice yet. You could hear that, but like, holy shit! This, so since then, I've always looked up to him in a way, even though I was a little kid. Yeah. Because he's just so focused on it, and he believes in it, and he doesn't really give a shit if it doesn't happen. And then he he wants to make it happen. It's gonna happen because he's never gonna quit. Yeah. If he dies before it happens, well, okay, he doesn't have to worry about it. He's dead. You know, but like, so he's given me some really kind of more. And it's all about that journey anyway. Creative wisdom. Getting to that spot is just the cap on the journey. The journey yeah. is the part you want to enjoy. Exactly. Like Joe, Joe's given me some stuff for sure on like music, like music production that we've talked about quite a bit. But more than anything, he's taught me these kind of overarching philosophical things of being in the grind and struggling for his whole career. Yeah. Still, you know, he's living in a very expensive town and he's writing some guitar parts for some other artists and all this now. And he's. Like with with the right with the right moves that he's gonna make, he can like finally maybe stop working like a regular job. So that's it, like a and it, by the way, you can't really work a heavy, hardcore, committed job in LA and be grinding at music. So he's got like a shitty job that he doesn't care about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so he's really taught me some kind of more like philosophical mentality vibes. Just like I don't know, old soul kind mm-hmm. of guy, you know. And then other than that, I just like to uh, YouTube is a fucking People, there's no excuse for you not to know whatever you want to know because YouTube exists. Yeah. And it, some of it is garbage, but you can tell, you find the good, the people that are talking about facts and talking from experience and not the people that are trying to convince you that the government wants to track you or whatever the fuck they're trying to do. Find the good, you can learn everything on the, on YouTube for free. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I've done a lot of work on my own house just by going like, oh, that's how you hang drywall? Oh, okay, I can do that. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. There's there's some really good like DIY kind of building people out there that are good at teaching. Yeah. So that's probably what I lean on more than anything. And then I'm also, I have an engineering background, so I kind of tend to like to be analytical about things. So it kind of, like the technical part of it didn't seem too off the wall for me. So I could... You're like, I, I read technical manuals, I can figure that part out. Yeah, it just kind of learned through like tweaking and stuff. Because yeah. I, I do get, I do get kind of like bored of getting like, I'm, I'm very much an experiential learner. So I would, I'll do it better by kind of making it happen and fucking up, even in releasing it kind of not as great as I want to. You said fucking up. I loved it, by the way. Fucking it up. Fuck, fucking up. Fucking up. <laughs> that's a little. Is that irony? I fuck, <laughs> that's just the. That's the definition of fucking it up. Fucking up, right there. Fucking up. Oh wow, it's like onomatopoeia, where it's like the actual meaning of the word is actually in the word. Fuck. <laughs> so. Anyway, I, I had nobody really to rely on, but now I have you. I talk about we talk about stuff a lot, like yeah. about podcast stuff. Mm-hmm. But we should uh, we should do a, a regular thing uh, more often. Whether it's a podcast or just like a grab a coffee or something. Well, we still haven't even yeah. you know we still haven't even gotten together and really played music yet like we've been wanting to. It's been I've been. I feel like I'm pulled in so many directions, dude. And like my whole life, I kind of said yes to stuff. You know, and that was kind of what led to me never being creative, though, too. So now I have this, I'm very much more protective of my energy, mm-hmm. partially because you have less of it when you're older, even though I feel like a kid now as much as I did ever. But you still get t- more tired out and shit. And so I have to be more protective of my energy. And that has led to me not doing as much shit with people. You know, but COVID happened in there, too, which kind of really helped illustrate that, the importance <laughs> of that. Yeah. You know, so now when we do get together as friends, it's less commonly, but it's more meaningful. You know, there's less of the small talk when you don't see people as much as you used to or whatever. That's true. 
Yeah. But, I just talked to you yesterday and three days before and the day before that. Yeah. What else do you have to say right now? Right. <laughs> it's kind of like like we like like Norm McDonald has a joke about how Americans eat, eat dessert like after every meal now. It used to be a thing, it used to be a thing where you get like cake once a year maybe or something. <laughs> and I feel like that about like running relationships too. Like the it's the spontaneous, unplanned, last minute come together kind of meetings mm-hmm. that are fun and spontaneous are always where where it's at for me now. That's where my so, best experiences are. Whereas, like, long playing, I get expectations. Should I just show up with my guitar someday and be like, hey, man. I mean, honest, to some extent, <laughs> no. But, like, even la- even no. this, even this, no, no, no. Even this kind of planning came together. Like, I, I didn't, I fell asleep yesterday for a while because we didn't sleep at all with Saturday night hardly. Yeah, that was great. I asked you a question, and then, like, four hours later, you just sent me a picture of me sleeping. No, exactly. But, and by the way, I didn't mean, I feel like you, you were probably trying to plan your day, so it was selfish <clears> of me not to, come to a conclusion earlier but i didn't quite know how today was going to go yet and i also feel like okay it's better if we just make it happen make it plan as long as it fits within your schedule i happen to know your creative window of time so um but well today i have a full window of time my wife doesn't work today well there you go but you know what i'm saying i'm not leaving have you he's here for the day he's here for the long (laughs) one we'll fire up some sandwiches well but i don't know it's spontaneity is where it's at this that's why i like to write on the day of the thing yeah you know i like like i sit down for all my solos not that anybody asked and i do the the same thing do you write you write yours right away i'll write some of it and then sometimes i'll just talk and go you know what i'm rattling right now but i'll just edit it down to the best part if i think i'm like on something but i'm not really yeah. Didn't have it pre-planned all the way, just knew that I would find it. Yeah, and that's I'll the, do a little bit of that. That's actually the beauty of the audio thing too, is as long as you know your tone of voice and keep your mic your mic etiquette and all of that, so you're generally always in the same place. Yeah. You can you know, you can you can punch stuff in really easily when it's just vo- vocals. Yeah. Like just cut a whole part out and make it sound. So there there have been times where like I'll write on my thing, like just ramble here about this topic mm-hmm. because I want there to be kind of some element of spontaneity further spontaneity than just having written it yeah and i'll kind of use the audio to cut it just cut it or leave it how it is but it's like i like that jazz flow a little bit you know kind of have an idea like i got to make sure that i talk about this in the intro even just for a for one of the interviews yeah have a bullet like talk about these bullets from the interview but then like just besides that just go yeah you know yeah of course the I'm going to talk about Luke Daddy, Mark Rebier. Music is so easy to produce now on GarageBand, which is like the free one. Yeah. That it's even... Well, you have to buy the Mac. You have to buy the Mac, yeah. But the, the, com- <laughs> the complexity of like the more expensive do- uh, digital audio workspaces are like... They're... It's, you can, they're more powerful, obviously, yeah. but they're expensive and they're if more you're technical. Stuff that, like Reggie Watts uses or Mark Rebier uses. Well, no, no, but Mark Rebier is using pretty much nothing. He, he's using his little looper and like he, I don't know what program he's using, but the, most of the sounds he's using are pretty standard sounds that you could use on GarageBand is what I'm saying. And the oh, reason yeah. I bring up GarageBand is because it is like a free one with a Mac. Mm-hmm. The fact that that is as powerful as it is, and it's so fucking easy to make a song now. And I'm, once again, I'm not taking away anything from the people that are making good music whatsoever. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying, like, if you're a person that's interested in music, get a get GarageBand or or something for your computer and learn it. You can do it. It's easy. Computers can do it. Computers can make a song, make a hit right now. GarageBand actually, the newest one has a like teach you guitar mode. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think like they can do fully produced. I think a, a record label could do a fully produced song by AI now. They know that they know the elements 
they have they they actually had uh, this one AI software that would listen to I think they had it listen to every Nirvana song that was ever recorded and then it wrote a new exactly. Nirvana song. Dude, they could do that. They're, the commuting power is there. And why Mark Rebier is so special and why jazz is so special and why live music is so special is because it's not that. You know what I mean? And there's there's something in the the vulnerability and the openness of doing something without a great plan that people connect with. That's the human connection of music. That's why seeing it or live. Somebody is, might fuck up the, the AI unless you like program it to like mess up. And that, exactly. Intermittently every 15 to 90 seconds. Yeah, which then is then that's formulaic again, right? So Mark Rebier is here. For those of you that don't know him, check him out. He, oh, I thought you were going to say, for those of you that don't know, go fuck yourself. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> constantly trying to evangelize people to the church of the loop daddy. So this this dude makes up songs on the fly. The whole beat, the the topic that is, people usually generate the topic for him, and he goes. Sometimes they're like beautiful love songs, and sometimes he talks about shitting the sadness out of your ass. <laughs> it's really all over the place, right? But you, you <laughs> the connection that he forms with his fans, and which is why we're obsessed with him, it's like, you're seeing this guy, he'll, he'll sometimes get 10 minutes into a song and he'll say, I fucking hate this. And he'll just start it over. And by the way, he, he never plays those songs again. We saw him live and he did play two of his kind of bigger hits from before. But he frankly played them differently because he probably doesn't exactly remember how he played them because... Yeah, and he looped it differently and he just yeah. decided he was going to do this beat instead of that beat. Exactly. And so there, there's, man, the power in seeing someone putting themselves out there without a great plan, without the formula, is really where the magic's at with art. Yeah. You know, and so the, as computers get further and further along, we got to use those to aid our abilities, of course. You hear people bitching about people using electronic music and stuff. It's like, but Bates, we talked about this on my show, I think. All Beethoven would have been... making modern music can still be open-hearted. It, well, not, I don't know that, but that's It's hilarious. from Rush. Oh, there you go. Uh, what's, oh, oh Tom Sawyer? That? No, not Tom Sawyer. Um, Spirit of the Radio. Oh, yeah. I can hear that. I can hear it. You say It's really it. just a question of your honesty. Yeah, your honesty. But let's just talk about this. Beethoven and these guys that were writing classical music, how did they do that? That is crazy. That is yeah. so insane. Those people are... They had pianos. They weren't playing the harp. Come on. Yeah, they, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they had... Like, they had to figure out how, how that sounded and translate it. I don't know if some of... I don't know if... Ever, well, they couldn't play all the instruments at the same time. They had to have an orchestra help them. You know, yeah. it's like... They had tools. It's just not electronic tools. Yeah, if they... If Beethoven was born today, he'd be doing some badass digital shit on top of whatever else he was doing. Just like, well, it was, no, that was, who was it that they got in, um, Bill and Ted 2? I didn't see it. Oh, God, you didn't see Bill and Ted's bogus journey? They went back in time and, or was it the first one? Anyway, they got Bach or, and he got on like a, he got on like a synthesizer and just started going nuts. Oh, he probably loved it, right? <laughs> of course. I mean, those guys were dealing with, they, they had like his face was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, but to, to make it sound different back then, they had to like move the, base to a different shape of a room or something to make it sound different right it's like I, <laughs> yeah so so i think we need to embrace the technology but also understand that we're never going to be as clean and perfect as the computers you know a computer could write a could write a novel based on inputs that it's inputs. Good that you said that because when they take over they'll remember that you spoke kindly see what i'm saying you guys could still use some a little bit of human connection let me be your guy at robots <laughs> have you heard flight of the concords uh robots the rope but the people are dead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he goes, binary freestyle, zero 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 one zero 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 one. It's hilarious. <laughs> I'm so glad that the dude that plays the guitar won a Grammy. Yeah, I mean It was for the Muppets, but still. Yeah, of course. 
I feel like so my my show is a collection of all this is what I think about everything. I think we're all we're all kind of pieces of our of the the influences we've had. Yeah. You know, and like I believe in nature and nurture, you know, but nothing is powerful as nurture. And and in that I think is all the experiences you've ever had. That's what shapes your personality. That's what shapes your defense mechanisms. That's what defa- uh, shapes your viewpoints and your perspective. And so my my particular perspective is I like a lot of different shit. You yeah. know, I I I like people expressing themselves. I like it all. And so therefore my show is kind of scattershot about what I like. So without having that specificity, it's going to be more difficult to grow. It's probably as heavily as I want to, well, unless I was, a, unless I already had a following and was like a, a celebrity or something, some other way where I could have a built in network. You know, it's like, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about too, is how do you grow your show? Because the, I heard about it because you had business cards out at, um, Irie kitchen. Oh yeah. See, I need to do more of that. And I was just like, I've never seen a business card for a podcast before. That's interesting. And I think I put it on in the car on the way home. Yeah. And it was the, um, the QR code thing or whatever. It was, well, I didn't scan it. No, but oh. uh, I did it the old school way, you know, rotary telephone. Um, <laughs> a lot of my growth has come from just meeting people at parties or meeting people out and about. And I talk about it with them and they like it. They're, you know, they like, they like want to check it out because I was nice to them or whatever. Yeah. And so that's a really valuable way to do it. Uh, I, I, I have about nine, almost 900 followers on Facebook now just for the show, for the page. And so that's, that's like technically marketing, right? But it's not like paid advertising. It's just people yeah. that follow it would see it. And a lot of those people are cool and share it to their friends, you know, and like, that's a little bit of growth, but generally I don't really have a plan for that. Yeah. Um, there's so many people out there trying to tell you they know how to grow it, blah, blah, blah. Bullshit. I'm in the top 2% of podcast for numbers. Globally. No, but I, I bet you you're in the top 5%. I don't, I don't know what your numbers are, but like a lot of people are putting up podcasts that get no listens. And a lot of the ones that are way above the way above what I'm doing have big ass budgets and shit and big celebrities or what have you. Yeah, there are they some, have an, another outlet that's already highly successful. Ex- exactly. Exactly. And so I'm kind of building it organically right now. And I haven't really had a problem with that because I'm getting better still. Mm-hmm. And part of me kind of was concerned, like some of my really good concepts that I've really been thinking about for years are episodes that I did early on because, you know, you shoot those out right away. Yeah. And so, sometimes I kind of think like, man, maybe I shouldn't have done those so early on because when I'm better at this, that could have been better, a better episode. But I also just continue to get ideas. So you can always rehash a, an old episode and redo it. You can, they did think- it on TV shows. Psych redid a, like something from season one. They just completely redid it on season eight. But better. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a cool idea actually. Yeah, yeah, it's like self-referential kind of. But so I think that I think the first one was called "Cloudy with a Chance of Murder," and then the, when they redid it, it was called "Cloudy with a Chance of Murder." Dot dot dot. But better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it, it didn't live up to its. But it was the same thing. They just had like a couple different people playing certain actors or playing certain characters. You know? yeah, 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 that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think there's. There's just an infinite amount of ideas. I think the presentation of, okay, so I've been, I've been told one, part, part of the reason I wanted to become a podcaster is because I was always told that I'm good at telling stories. Okay. And I knew I was good at telling stories because I could tell people were reacting to them and then other people yeah, tell can, stories. You I'd can like, tell when somebody is looking at your face and just doesn't care what you're saying. <laughs> oh my, it's horrible when, <laughs> when, when people are like telling a story and they tell the end of it first and then you're like, what? I have no stakes in this. You're talking about where you went to the bank now. Why are you talking about that? Is that relevant? Okay. And so, so, but I also have people say like, are you bullshitting? Are you bullshitting? And I'm like, no, I might be using flowery, flowery language, 
but I'm not bullshitting. Shit is going on around you all the time, and it's all fucking hilarious. If you're really, if you're actually observing, though, yeah, you know, a lot of people aren't observing. Yeah, and I wish at times I could be less observant, so I could just maybe focus and meditate better and stuff. But I'm generally always looking around and thinking about, oh, <laughs> holy shit, that tree, that's funny. Yeah, trees part yellow, part like don't they have? You know, it's just like there's something there. There's some psychology story to be looked at. Everything you see. I used to work with a guy that. Uh... He didn't like me very much. I didn't really have a problem with him outside of he didn't like me. Yeah, that's a big demerit, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he was somebody who, somebody would be like, hey, oh, I can't remember what his name was. I was calling him Richard or something. <laughs> hey, Richard, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, And he'll smile. And as soon as that person turns their back, he'd go from smile just to straight I've face. I've seen that like, before. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Like, look on his face. And he'll do that every time. So he'll be like, hey, Richard. He'll, oh, hey, 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 hey. And then he turn around. <laughs> like, is he pretending? Is he a psychopath? Probably. Probably. <laughs> Walked up to one time and I was like, I have never seen anybody put their smile away as fast as you do. And he's like, don't you have some work you can be doing right now? Oh, you should have never called him on that. Yeah. <laughs> he tries to end up on his murder table. Yeah, I mean, the, here's the thing. <laughs> I was saying earlier, it doesn't, it doesn't take any more time to go all into something, you know, as opposed to going half-ass. Yeah. The same goes for conversations with people or living life, like, it doesn't take, you're going to be standing there with this person having a conversation, you might as well engage with it. Yeah. Listen to them, tell about yourself, let them tell about themselves, go back and forth. Yeah. You'll you'll grow from that, you'll get something out of that, than having a bullshit conversation. Did you have a hard time with that, though, the back and forth, when you, when you started? Because I just wanted to let people talk, and I would go, like, minutes and minutes without saying anything. I would probably have the, I, I would say that I had the opposite issue. Because I had to, I would get... You were making it the Kirk show with a little bit of something? No, it was the, I always let the person shine, but like there would be times where I would take the interview off track. Oh. And it's like, hold You on. wanted to talk about this, and the next thing you know, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, it's like, well, I need to at least, I need to keep the reins on this thing a little bit. But also, a big part of that is by doing a lot of them, you just get better at it. I never interviewed anyone ever until the first one. Yeah. You I'll, can kind of feel like, okay, we're almost done. You, you can feel it. You can also... That was his cue to say, all right, let's cut this thing. And now we return to the original audio. Did we talk about anything creative on this episode? Did people Are people going to hear this and think I'm funny? Or are they going to be like, why would I listen to that guy's show? I haven't hit record yet. What Did, did you, was there going to be some technical question I thought or something? Did we not talk about technical stuff? We, we talked about how you had been cutting in like multiple feeds and doing all that stuff in your production. Yeah, the big question, I guess the storyline, the, the instruction I have for you is pick an, pick something. You don't spend a bunch of time pretending like you're researching which program to get or which platform to use if you want to be a podcaster or what have you. That's just a bunch of dis- excuses in the way. Yeah. Pick one. They're all the fucking same. I use Buzzsprout. It's dope. Anchor is fine for people. Uh, everyone I've ever used, I use Podbean and one of my ones I produce for somebody else and that one's fine. Yeah. You know? So don't spend This will be distributed via Podbean. Podbean, give me some money. Podbean. But don't spend any time on that. That doesn't matter. You can switch anyway. It's, you don't have <laughs> long-term contracts. Yep. You can Get switch moving. all your stuff with a click of a button. Same way you can switch uh, website providers. Exactly. Domain hosts. Don't get caught up in the details. Get started and go. That's what I'm telling you. Take do the it. leap. It doesn't mean you have to quit your job and shit. Don't have to do... But carve out some time on a schedule and do your creative passion and get down to the, the essence of the creativity and don't get focused on the output. Don't get focused on the way you're going to achieve it. It's just like, you just got to go, you know, it's pretty, that's all I can say. You're never going to get as bad. You're never going to get better at something as, as quickly as when you're just doing it all the time or as much as you can. Yeah. And then really looking at it analytically and finding like looking yourself in the mirror and saying, well, that didn't work. 
or you know i could get better there mm-hmm. but don't get discouraged you suck you're gonna suck at it you're just starting it <laughs> you know what i'm saying like people get discouraged people start golfing for the first time oh i fucking suck at golf yeah. like, well no kidding <clears throat> Rookie, I suck at golf. I've been doing it for 25 years. A rookie pitcher is going to have a bad pitch, and dude's going to eat it and put it in the second to last row. Exactly. You know what I mean? And then eventually that guy's going to get in the Hall of Fame, but he's going to eat it when he first tries it. Yeah, he won't throw that pitch to that guy again, I bet. Yeah. You know, if he learns. It's like, just learn about it and have fun and do it. Be yourself. Be authentic. Don't worry about what other people think. All the things that you already know because you've been hearing about it your whole life. It just It is true, though. It is true. It is true. It's the reason people keep saying it. And once you do it, it is freeing. Yeah, don't find... And if you find yourself in a situation that you don't like, and you can safely get out of it, get the fuck out of it. You'll find a way to make it happen. Like, you get line something up. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> you know, but... <laughs> you know, but... If your job... If you're feeling miserable... Kirk on your way told to, me that it's better to be homeless. <laughs> you know, if you're... If you're feeling miserable on your way to work or like on Sunday night because you have to go to work the next day, then maybe you should not be doing that for work. Yeah. And that's not to say you don't have to eat shit sometimes to get to make ends meet. I get all that. But yeah, there are opportunities for everyone to do something that they would enjoy doing. And that might be even if it's not changing professions, get a hobby instead of watching quite so much television. Right. Exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be productive. It's you'll feel more confident. I, I grew Not my that confidence. I don't waste time watching YouTube videos and all that shit and get mad at myself that I could have written more or done more, but right, That's still f- doing stuff. It's a form of, yeah, we watch too much TV probably too. We listen to music all the time. I don't have enough silence probably. If I, if I had to insert one thing into my life that would probably be most beneficial to me, it would probably be silence. Interesting. Because I'm talking all the fucking time. And when I'm not, I'm like thinking all the time at the same cadence. You ever listen to those tones? It's just like the I've tones tried. to help you relax or to help you concentrate. The... Binaural beats. Yeah. Yeah, I've tried. Just makes me like think like, man, I should make these. How can I make these? What's there some sounds I could do for that? Yeah. It's just like never Start ending. Start on a YouTube video. How do you make binaural sounds? <laughs> never ending, dude. So <laughs> hopefully you learn. Hopefully you were motivated, inspired by this. I'm just, a, you know, go check out a talk in the attic, but. Keep listening to Creative Ops. This dude's come a long way, right? Yeah. Yeah. The last two, three episodes have actually been good. I'll say he's gotten steady. I've seen steady progress. <laughs> I haven't listened to all of them, but I've seen steady, steady progress. But yeah, it's just, it's fun, right? You're doing it too. Yeah. And then you're not to, as comfortable. You know, you were making better money before. I know you have a situation where you have kids. So like the daycare costs, or whatever, but yeah, you could be in a better financial position right now and be a lot more miserable too. Yeah. So yeah, the money that I'm making now from, writing stuff for people currently <clears throat> it's not uh it's not exciting money but it's money doing something that i actually feel really good. you know you yeah. feel better when you get a a paycheck that only has two figures on it than in, when you get a paycheck for a thousand dollars and you're like oh you i didn't see anybody that i wanted to see i didn't do anything that i wanted to do yeah. now i'm gonna go take this one three-day weekend and get drunk <laughs> exactly so it ends up being yeah. yeah it actually ends up being like probably worse for you financially because you're like you're not as safe with your money because it doesn't mean as much. Yeah. You're unhappy or you're spending money to try to forget your unhappiness. Yeah. To guilt, to absolve your guilt or whatever. Yeah. It's the same break even level. Yeah. Happier with less money. And then also, if you're going to start being, uh, trying to put yourself into something creatively, don't get hot, caught up in the numbers. Like my episode, I've list, I've got almost 50,000 listens now between views and listens. Maybe a, little, maybe a little more, but that's not. I've got like 15, but on a per episode, listen on a per episode, listen, the numbers don't look impressive whatsoever. I just have a lot of episodes. So when people get into it, I can pick up a lot of listens quickly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so like, I didn't say that number to flex whatsoever. It's more of like, 
that's not a huge number. Joe Rogan's pulling a hundred thousand listens the first well, day. Well, yeah, basis is you know nobody can compare themselves. To- <laughs> but but people do though. No, this is the problem though. People yeah. think they're going to start painting online and they're I, instantly going to have twenty thousand followers. I, I've Don't seen worry about a lot of shit. people in the local podcast community do like anywhere from like three to a dozen shows and then just nah. Yeah, because they think it's going to come fast. Like the come fast. I've been specializing in that for thirty years. <laughs> but no, it's like think it, people think it's going to come quickly. It's not the people that you see that are making it big. Even Justin Bieber, that kid was a badass singer when he was young already and working on it, and he got famous because he's fucking awesome at it. Yeah, and well, and he got some help the, from Usher Raymond. Yeah, why? Yeah, only yeah, and be only because Usher Raymond bets on people that are going to be fucking valuable Who to is him. Usher Raymond, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You, you know what I'm saying though. Like there's people that are anim- have animosity. If you're a person that that has animosity towards somebody else that's being creative and succeeding, you should reevaluate what's going on in your own body, in yeah. your own head, because it's impressive yeah. for anyone creative to be doing ventures, I've had people when I say I'm going to do this, and they're just like, I know. The first reaction is like, Ooh, you sure about that? You know? Yeah, it's like the you. There's something for it's good for your soul to be output to be putting out creative stuff. It is. There's a reason why every culture in the world likes music. There's a reason why people that you don't see eye to eye with on any other thing but music, you can still connect with them on that level. That's you know, true. there's like there's something about it that you're not capturing in your regular day to day unless you're actively trying to be creative. Mm-hmm. And creativity doesn't have to be art based either. It can be maybe your creativity is keeping your your garden garden looking cool or whatever. You know, do something. Or, yeah, you know. I've talked to people on this show before about hobby farming and somebody else about starting their own business. Like yeah. they didn't franchise. There's nothing wrong with franchising, no. but they like made a plan from the ground up and did it. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's yeah, creative. Exactly. And don't have an episode of your first podcast be about getting followers and stuff. Like, just do your do your thing. And if you're good at it, it'll happen. And if you're not good at it, but you still enjoy it, it'll continue to be good enough for you. And if you suck at it, you'll probably eventually get the hint and you're, you probably aren't going to find joy in it anymore anyway. You <laughs> if, know? You, if you get to a point where you amass a decent number of episodes, probably the majority of the people aren't going to listen to the first any 10 percent of them anyway or, or more even yeah yeah and like unless you have a super specific kind of topic then like a true crime episodes we go back and listen to the old ones and shit just because we, we're out of murder we need more murder <laughs> like it's fucked up we fall asleep to murder every night like i'll wake up i'll be like i'll wake up and they'll be in this <laughs> and say does she like scream every time you get up to pee oh no this australian this australian guy that we listen to case file true crime it's such a good show he's a very fact-based reporter on true crime he doesn't talk about his emotions there's no commentary it's just like the story mm-hmm. which we appreciate because some of them are like disrespectful to the dead and like disrespectful to the even the, to the assailant you know it's like someone died here they're someone... not like making puns when people get murdered <laughs> exactly there's a lot it's of, like there's a lot of them somebody like dies literally face down in the gutter like they couldn't get their mind out of the gutter. exactly <laughs> exactly he was prone to this sort of thing yeah <laughs> so he this guy's good but like i'll wake up in the middle of the night and he'll be like <laughs> The severed head of the child that was sitting in the suitcase next to the bed. And I'll be like, oh my God, I gotta shut this shit off. <laughs> Haunting. So it's like, I don't sleep well. I don't understand why. I'm always anxious. Yeah. There's a lesson there too. It goes along with the same thing. It's like if you're watching a bunch of negative shit and, and reading Facebook and it's always fighting and stuff, like you're that's gonna carry you're gonna be that person now. Well, it's the same way with like the the food that you eat is gonna in large part determine how you feel and how you look. Same way with if people are just yes. like, you Consuming. know, I won't, I won't name names, but one and or both of my parents 
watch a lot of television news. I think just one of them more than the other. And they're constantly pissed off about stuff. And I was like, find something else. The only difference between society back in 1970 when they're thinking back to the golden ages or whatever. Yeah. And now is that you only used to watch the news for like a half an hour. It was on big stories because there was only a half an hour to get it all in. Yeah. Now yeah. you're sitting you around watch watching the news, everything. Figure out what happened in the world. And then Letterman came on. Or, yeah. well, Carson, whoever. Right. Yeah. And I need to impose limits on my social media consumption because I use it for podcasts. Like, I use it to get the message out on my show and all that. So, like. Are you easier to get a hold of on your phone or through your Instagram? <laughs> that's tough. It depends on the situation. If I'm at, if I'm in work mode, through my phone. Yeah. But if I'm, like, being lazy, you know, or at night or something, probably Facebook or Instagram. Just because I'm in there. Do, I'm moderating some stuff and, like, I'm doing yeah. some. So. But I have man, one friend I, that I almost don't even call him anymore. I just like Instagram message him. I feel like, dude, <laughs> it's all it's all just consumption, you know. Like the, in a different way, at least it's like not as wasteful consumption as what yeah. I was talking about earlier. But like this consumption just gets old. You get mm -hmm. that Mota and I feeling yeah. that we were talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. And like I, I feel like I, there isn't a, I couldn't do enough podcasts to ever give back the amount that I've consumed because I just because I've consumed my, my whole life. We all do. It's a part of life, mm -hmm. and. So 150 episodes sounds like a lot, but a thousand is going to sound like more. I'm never going to fucking stop. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, like, because yeah. I feel like I want to, I want to do it. It's like almost an homage to the people that influence me, whether it's my friends or my coaches or people like Mark Rebier and Norm McDonald and Mark Mitch Hedberg. I like, I owe it to them or something to try. Yeah. I guess. And yourself. Yeah, of course. Well, that's at the end of it. That's the root of it. It's like, I'm more, Yeah, I'm feeling like myself again, you know, like. I feel like a kid because I'm acting like a kid too. Yeah. Sometimes. You're living your truth. Like the thing I read about, you know, if you're a creative person and somebody asks you what you do, don't be like, oh, I'm an accountant. Tell them what you like actually enjoy doing. And that I was like, you yeah. know, I'm going to try that. And I started saying, oh, I'm a writer. And I would tell people that. And different reactions from people. All of a sudden I started feeling like, oh, maybe I actually am a writer. And then people started going, oh, this is my friend. He's a writer. I was like, dude. I've got, I've become a believer, like to some extent, I'm not well versed in it or anything, but I've become a believer in like, uh, in manifestation mm -hmm. and not in some like cryptic mystical way where you like, ask the we're all holding hands happens. at a certain time, yeah. saying a mystical incantation. Yeah. I don't even necessarily think it's like any sort of nothing against like witchcraft. I'm not saying that there's nothing to that either, but that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I think that some people here manifesting and they think it's like conjuring or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas I, I believe it in like when you tell people that you're doing something, this is part of what I was saying about accountability. Mm -hmm. When you tell people about it, they start asking you about it. They start telling yeah. other people. And before you know it, it's gotta be real. Otherwise you just lied about it. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so like that's, I, I, there's some projects that I'm working on now with, uh, with, some people, some bigger name people that I'm trying to attract to my, to my production. And I've been telling people about it, yeah. you know, and not because, not because I, I'm trying to trick the universe into making it happen or anything like that, but just because I know that, that the only way to make it happen is to put energy into it. Yeah. And one of the best ways to put energy into it is share it with other people. Uh -huh. So. Cause it's fun to be creative, but it's also fun to be like, Hey, do you like this? Yay. Of course. Of course. So I'm working. My next episode is that is coming out tomorrow. Is it, when is this release? Today? Yeah, I'm gonna have to get this bad boy out. So before dinner. So tomorrow you'll have to check out my podcast on. It's a it's a fan group that a fan group of Mark Rebier, who created their own sub Facebook group during COVID, that kind of honors the the a Photoshopper that does a lot of shit for Mark, but he also just does 
his own edits and his photography and stuff like that. It's called uh, Groff Posting because the guy's name is Mark Groft. And it's a big community. It's about 650 members on Facebook. They, it's very like positive and inclusive and all this. And they, for the Mark Rebier show in Asheville, North Carolina, rented a house down there. And like 25 of them met for the first time. These people had never mm-hmm. met. It was just a Facebook group. During a time when Facebook was like the most divisive place in the world, by the way. Right, right, right. Where like people were giving up on it and shit. Meanwhile, I was seeing this. They're having these... Senate hearings to figure out how the yeah. election may have been influenced all using these tools. And, and by the way, there are a bunch of nefarious things going on as through Facebook intentionally. But there's also, if you look for it and you make your community happen, you can create a positive place too. If you moderate it and like well, if be you're a the passive user or like an intentional user, I'm here for this specifically or if you're like i'm just here because everybody else is what's that yeah you can but even for those people you can find positive communities out there yeah but don't engage in the bullshit don't i used to get mad when people would talk shit to me but i would talk shit back to them so like (laughs) you know like don't start fights on facebook and then be mad when people are back at you know so i just don't engage in that shit engage in the stuff that you want surround yourself in the stuff that you want to be you suck kirk yeah okay and so this is what so as as the trump Biden election was heating up and all this QAnon shit and all the bullshit on all sides of it. Like, I hated going to Facebook except for the Mark Rebier fan group, which I now moderate, and the the Groff posting thing, which I met through Mark Rebier's group. And those were places that, I, meanwhile, like as the it was like juxtaposition, all this bullshit fighting with everyone. But then, like, okay, you, I saw like you can create what you want to, and the fact that that led to them all going getting together, twenty five of them at a house, and it's it's a documentary kind of about that. They, they did some self interviews at that thing for me. So I like, I'm piecing it all together. Mm. So the, it's kind of a storyline about how f- social media can be a positive place. Um, if you, if you work at it and you are intentional about it, just like anything. Yeah. And it's kind of like a human interest story on that, but I got to prove, but this is the big news for me. I got official approval from Mark Rebier's team to use his music for the show. That's awesome. So that's that's super cool. As long as I'm not like trying to sell it or anything, which I'm not. Yeah, yeah. And that see, that's the other thing. I can tell these musicians like this that have a big following that I'm not I'm not commercializing this really by not having ads and stuff. So they're more prone to let small time podcasts use their shit if you're if you're acting that way. Interesting. Because you're not. I'm not trying to piggyback Mark. Yeah. But he he's his music is the backdrop of this whole f- movement that I'm talking about. So it wouldn't have made sense very much if I did, couldn't have used it. You know. Yeah. So, and part of me sometimes used to take the better to ask for forgiveness than permission vibe. <laughs> and sometimes I still believe that on certain things, but someone that I'm so intimately like following and like interested in his success as Mark, I didn't want to like do that. Yeah. Cause it was that fucked up some opportunity to work with him in the future or something. It was like, so I asked and it took a couple of weeks and they got back to me and said, go, it's a go. Sweet. So that's exciting. So check it out. Check that out. And then check out all the other ones too. It's called greetings from Asheville. <clears throat> You're uh Interviews with biblical characters are good. The <clears throat> keep coughing. The bicycle day one is fantastic. I love that one. I mean, it's special to me too. I think just because it was the first one I heard, and I was like, "Whoa, cool!" Yeah, set the bar but, high. My friend um, died right. I had a friend and a cousin die right after that one. Ooh. And like that, I kind of got. I didn't know a, about your cousin too. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I got in a like one, my friend overdosed, and my cousin died of COVID of all things. Oh. He's a healthy guy. And those happened kind of back to back. So the show shortly after Bicycle Day kind of went in like a rut a little bit because I personally was down there. Yeah. And I, 
I was still putting stuff out, but a lot of it was just kind of me like blubbering over my friend or <laughs> so. So I feel like I'm back to myself again. Well, it wasn't blubbering. It was paying tribute. It was yeah, it was tribute, yeah. but it's still like I, I just I could look looking back on those like it's not what I would re- want to represent as the show necessarily. Mm. Although the show is what you see, what you is what you get kind of thing. It's, yeah. there's no bullshit in it. So, um, so I appreciate that you like that episode. But yeah, there's they're fun. Check them out. Lowercase letters, smaller shows, big case. And you're a better interviewer than I am too. I gotta admit, you've gotten good though. I feel like, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like you have to practice that stuff, people. Yeah, yeah. You never interviewed I, before, and now you have. So before the podcast, I've never had a conversation go longer than three minutes. So people generally just like avoid you at places. Well, like we were talking about, you can tell when you're talking and someone's just not engaged. That was like most of my life. <laughs> you should start a podcast. <laughs> Your inability to lose a crowd is fascinating. Yeah. We're going to give you a podcast with 10,000 followers and see how long it takes you to get it to zero. How quickly can you get this bad boy to a grinding, screeching halt? Yeah. Yeah, I've lost 97% of my listenership in just the first two weeks. <laughs> Brewster's Millions, remember that show? <laughs> yeah. Really he had to spend a million dollars, but what was the stipulations on that? He had to spend a million dollars a day, and if he didn't, he had to give it all back or something. He had to spend a million dollars, but he couldn't keep any of thing that he spent like yeah i think you're right it could be investments and stuff you had to buy like material things too yeah richard Pryor's great great show great show okay chris this is the third interaction we've had for our podcast mm-hmm. mutually so i appreciate you giving me a spotlight you've written about things about it. i appreciate that a lot i think you're an awesome writer i think you're funny as hell oh thanks buddy keep doing what you're doing and we should check back every every year and see what's see what's up and of course we're gonna do a joint project too yeah. Trophy husbands. I think we should. I do too. I think we should. It can be a semi regular thing, you know? So it doesn't have to be a every this often or that often. I kind of want to do this for a talk in the attic because I've been throwing it around. What's but this? I want to go to those Granville castles. Oh, yeah. And like dress up in like Renaissance era gear <laughs> and like interview like people that live there, but like in, in old English and stuff. Yeah. Because it's such ridiculous. There's like a car- apartment complex between <laughs> yeah, the like ask, I live. Ask people which cast they're in. <laughs> Dude, first off, when you think of castle, <laughs> here, what do you think of? One giant family of extreme power and wealth living in a huge place that's protected on all sides. Okay. So does that in any way bring to mind th- a thousand unit apartment complex with no space? Uh, <laughs> instead of surrounded by a moat, it's surrounded by highways and shit. And it's, it looks like a castle, but it's like prefab ca- uh, concrete with like steel roof. It does kind of look like it isn't quite finished, but maybe as it ages, like the, you know, the. I don't, I'm not going to give it any. I, I don't I think don't we should, I don't think the place deserves. I don't want to give it the benefit of the doubt No offense to the people living there. You know, it's a very royal decision you've made. Um, but to the guy that invented that place, he like, you can tell is a fucked up guy. Who always wanted to have a castle because he has like an inferiority complex, and and now he's built the shittiest fucking castle in the world, literally in the world. And people, there's a guy, blog, a, a woman, a, a girl blogging about it that lives there, and I don't know if it's kept going, but during COVID she started it, and it was like, she just shared her horrible experiences from, from the Granville Castle, apartments. People, one, oh, the last blog. one I saw is people were just <laughs> straight up parking their motorcycles, like their crotch rockets, in the indoor hallway. It's like an indoor entrance kind of place. So, like, their shoes would be out there, and, like, their motorcycles leaning against the drywall right next to their door. You got to, like, sneak around the motorcycles. What about that screams royal to you? Or majestic? Or castle-ish? It's like a bunch of servants from the castle. It's like, the, it's like living in the servants' quarters of the castle. 
<laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't know, man. It, and say what you will about it, how it looks, all those things. The, the hardest part for me is that there is nothing even remotely close to the size of it for probably 15 miles. It's out of context. It's a skyscraper. It's like 15 stories tall castle with like turrets and shit. And right next to it, there's like a place that sells chainsaws and a breakfast restaurant. <laughs> Eggs a, Benedict. A muffler place. It's like, why, why is this here? It's just... I don't even want to trash the guy because at least he made his dream happen, but he what did. a weird dream. He's, and, I mean, holy shit, if you can build one of the biggest castles in the world... Again, I don't believe it's a castle. In a, in a suburb next to a highway on a spot, spot that used to be a trailer park, <laughs> then you can probably do just about anything. You can, if, you, if you manage to get put your mind to that and actually get other people to buy into that, then God forbid, what could you do with a good idea? You know? What could you do with a good <laughs> <laughs> Just the, and the possibilities are endless. <laughs> talked about it all it's six hours long yeah we'll Thank wrap it up i might even just cut it out right there where you're like imagine what he could do with a good idea <laughs> i can't even do your can you do it right now oh, yeah. yeah oh i don't want to break your that's okay i think might be out of tune that's cool You aim your mic at the 12th string on the 12th fret. From, about, you're supposed to from about a foot away. That's where it was. That was basically where it was. Okay. I didn't know that there was a... a I learned that. I learned that. that from Hilton, actually. You would know. I, I thought it would be better at the mouth, you know, or whatever you call right it. Right out of the sound hole here. But I think it's because air comes out of there more, so this allows you to like get more of the tone and kind of allows you to get the finger noises, too. Love that. It's good to know. What you do on here, you only have to put it down here. I like that. Chris Fun. Christopher Talon. Interviewing the wonderful Chris Chris Talons. <laughs> Changing it. We're gonna jam now, so. Alright, folks. Here's the extended cut of the theme song from A Talk in the Attic, hosted by Kirk Russ. This has been Creative Ops. Thank you for listening to a podcast for creative people by creative people. I hope it got your creative juices flowing. Now go listen to a talk in the edit. God damn it. Oh, wait, I can't, I can't cuss like that, can I? We're going to have to cut this. It's a mess in this attic. lot going on, but there ain't no need to panic. Come on up and join. We're getting wild, getting manic. Spitting truth for all you fanatics. Uh, every week got something new to say. Ain't no filter. This shit coming straight from the brain. It's coming straight from the brain. Yeah, it's coming straight, coming straight from the brain.
the dripping tomato is definitely something I hadn't considered. No, I was just starting to get that when I was like, oh, I better find something here. Good to pull that table up and use it like a plate. Mm -hmm. I got so far over here, I was about to say, like, man, that was smooth. <laughs> Should have gotten cocky. <laughs>